Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken With our final breath We'll fight to the death We are soldiers, we are soldiers
Hello, folks, and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the growing conservative conversation and part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Now, tonight uh, we have our show about the Kim Davis affair in the Rowan County in Kentucky. And tonight we will hear from not personally, but we will have some audio from Matt DeBevin, who is running for governor in that state. We'll hear a couple of interviews with him tonight, make our comments on that. We'll also hear some little clips uh, tonight uh, from that region. And uh, we've had Kim Davis uh, is released from jail, as you may or may not know. She is a county clerk who was refusing to sign the gay marriage licenses and was arrested uh, by the judge out there until she, uh, she uh, would decide to go ahead and do it. However, she is out, and we still is unknown whether she will uh, sign marriage contracts or not, uh, but that remains to be seen. But they did have a rally there, and uh, she was released. And there was a couple folks down there. Of course, there were gubernatorial candidate, as I mentioned earlier, Matt Bevin, but also some presidential candidates there, as well as at the rally, such as Mike Huckabee and Ted Cruz. And they're there showing their support. And so we've got some audio also of some other GOP 2016 presidential candidates uh, who have chimed in on this issue. And we'll make comments on them as well and see who uh, is for religious rights and who is seeing that as a side issue. And one of the questions uh, to ask is, where was the presidential candidate Rand Paul from? Um, and so, of course, folks, as part of the we, the people, it is important for you to stand up and be heard. So call in with your thoughts on the issues of today. And so call in, and you could stay on the line and be part of the show. So you can join our roundtable discussion. Of course, you can meet. Uh, you can speak with me, the host, as well as our panelist Cindy Todd from Florida, and our constitutional scholar and author from California, Kelly Mordecai. And so, as I said, I found it interesting that Rand Paul wasn't there. I didn't even find any audio uh, where he's made any clips. That's not to say that he has not. Uh, but I have not heard any. Uh, now, one of the disclaimers I put, and also to one of the evangelistic groups that I've been in contact with who's supporting Tim Davis, is uh, all the listeners here know that I have no least Christian religion affiliations. I've always uh, pointed out here on the show um, more of the pagan persuasion. However, I do feel that their religious rights are being infringed upon. And one of the questions I'm hoping we'll uh, ask and discuss tonight is on whether we can infringe upon one group's rights while trying to support another's. And I think that's uh, the crux of the argument that is going, at least in Kentucky and probably throughout this country. And I think we're going to see more of this as uh, time arises. And you've heard people say, on the liberal media said, oh, this is just small pockets, and, you know, we're surprised there's not more, uh, but that remains to be seen. And so, as I said, I am going to start tonight off with uh, some audio, and first what we're going to do is, uh, as I mentioned, Matt Bevin, who is running in a very tight race in Kentucky. I think it's only separated by 3% for governor, um, 
with the the person who was the Conway, who was the attorney general there in Kentucky. And uh, as I said, a very tight race. So if you're able to support Matt Bevin in any way, whether you are from the state of Kentucky or not, uh, you can really use your support, especially, of course, as always money. Uh, but also, uh, if you're down there in Kentucky or up in Sears State would be, uh, give him support. But check out his website at www.mattbevin.com. And uh, check it out and give him the support uh, that you can. And since I brought up uh, Mr. Bevin, let's go ahead and play the first interview uh, that he was on uh, TV when he was discussing this issue. So let's go ahead and hear from uh, Matt Bevin on the Kim Davis affair. Not affair, but situation. Republican nominee for governor of Kentucky. Mr. Bevin, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We have a statement from the U.S. Attorney in the Eastern District of Kentucky, Terry Harvey, who says, we have grave concerns about the reported failure to comply with the court's order, and this is the key line. Government officials are free to disagree with the law, but not disobey it. Your reaction? And I think that's certainly a fair uh, statement, uh, and I would agree. We are a nation of laws. No question about it. This is a question about reconciling uh, contention that exists within the law itself. And my proposal has simply been that there is no reason to subjugate the rights of one group uh, in order to accommodate the rights of another, that the two can coincide mutually. Uh, and this is the proposal that I have put forward. It's what good governance does. The rights of one group pitted against the rights of another. The Supreme Court says that same-sex couples have the right to marry, whose rights are you protecting? Well, I mean, there's also the First Amendment, which has existed uh, long before there was any reinterpretation of the 14th Amendment uh, to accommodate the rights of same-sex couples. And this is a of all, we talk about equal protection under law, that's very important. And I agree that this is something that should be sought. It's interesting, on the intro in, there was a comment that she's refusing to issue same-sex marriage license. And while that is true enough, she's actually refusing to issue any marriage licenses right now because of this impasse. When she was sworn in, my, my concern with this issue is, is only this. This isn't about who can get married and who cannot. Truth be told, why does the government even have to condone uh, the binding of any two consenting adults? Why is the government even involved in this? That's a whole other topic. As it stands now, that is the process, and that's the process here in Kentucky. So how do we reconcile the fact that the Kentucky Constitution declares marriage to be something different than the U.S. Constitution has now declared? There is an impasse, but it could easily be reconciled if, in fact, we made this a downloadable form. Hawaii has been marrying same-sex couples probably longer than anyone. And if we were to make this a downloadable form, make it one that could be downloaded and or picked up in hard copy, filled out, notarized, solemnized by an appropriate official, and then brought to the county clerk's office, filed but, like a deed, a lien, or there, a mortgage, sir, if then, someone, in fact, if, you would remove the contention. But what if there's someone in the county clerk's office who claims, as Kim Davis is claiming, that her religious beliefs don't let her file it? I mean, you, where is the line? Oh, no, that's, but that's not the issue. Why not? She, she, has not, she has no issue with that. There is, not a, there is not a county clerk in this state that would have any issue doing what I just described. In fact, they have asked for this. 
What I'm calling on is our state's governor and our attorney general to stand in the gap and to govern. I'm running against a man who is the state's attorney general, the overseer of all laws in this state, a man who himself, on this very issue, stood before the cameras, cried about his inability to do the job that he had sworn an oath to but this do. Is, isn't this he fundamentally failed sir, to do that. Sir, isn't this fundamentally about a county clerk or three county clerks in Kentucky saying, I am not going to listen to the Supreme Court of the United States right now? No, it's fundamentally about the fact that they want their First Amendment rights. But sir, okay, let me ask you this. Also, treated as equally as the rights of others. And I think no that's a fair no request. Nobody no. should have their but, rights but, subjugated. But no one's saying they have to get married. No one's saying Kim Davis has to marry a woman. All they're saying is she has to issue the marriage license to same-sex couples who want to get married. Her job as county clerk is to issue marriage licenses, is it not? Let me ask you a question. It's interesting. In recent years, we've somehow come to the conclusion that whatever comes from the Supreme Court is, and no question, that is the highest legal authority in the land. But we have separation of powers in this country for a reason and always have. And interestingly, if you go back, there have been any number of issuances from this very same body, this very same Supreme Court, that have been contentious as well. One of which was Dred Scott in 1857. Are, are, are you saying... And in that... reaction to that... No, 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 listen to me. In reaction to that statement by the Supreme Court that blacks in this case were the property of whites or could be, there were some states that simply said, that's unacceptable. And there were what were known at that time as abolitionist states. There were states that simply said, in our state, sir, we are not going to comply I, I with something that bondage, we don't think to be is correct. Is human bondage the same thing in your mind as approving or disapproving or, or letting other people get married? No, not even a little. This is about what is legally the case. And we're talking about a legal interaction. Have you ever heard one negative thing from Kim Davis or any one of these other clerks about same-sex couples? Have any of these clerks ever failed to issue a driver's license or to file any Let other document brought in by Let these couples? This. They Bennett, have not. What, they if, have what not. if you had an atheist county clerk? An atheist county clerk who, for whatever reason, not based on religion, decided that he did not think or she did not think that gays should be able to get married. Would that atheist clerk have the same right not to issue uh, the marriage license in your mind? spin off in any number of hypotheses, that is not the issue we're talking about. I'm running for governor of the state of Kentucky. As a governor, I will be forced to come up with solutions for impasses such as this. I have proposed a very doable and workable solution, one that is in place in other states right now, one that could resolve this, allow all people to have equal protection under the law, allowing same-sex couples and uh, heterosexual couples to be married in Round County, among other places, and also allow the county clerks not to be the ones who are solemnizing this, officiating this in some measure by putting their name on the document. This is easily resolved. If, if, if this was you, truly about people having their rights to marry, that could easily be resolved. That's was, what I'm just calling last for. question. If it were up to you and not the Supreme Court, would gay couples be able to get married in Kentucky? It isn't up to me singularly. It was something that was put to the vote of the people of Kentucky. And as governor, it will not be my personal decision that weighs in. It'll be the will of the people, in this case, the will of the people of Kentucky. And ten years ago, the will of the people of Kentucky was very different than that which has now been passed down. But the point is this. It can be resolved. It should be resolved. We owe it to every Kentuckian those on both sides of the issue, to remove what has become a very vitriolic uh, and nasty situation for no good reason. Mr. Bevan, we really appreciate you coming in and talking about this issue. Good luck, sir. You're welcome.
And someone just uh, informed me uh, that we had some dead air there. I apologize for the technical uh, difficulties, but uh, I'm back here. I was uh, just doing some behind-the-scenes stuff and got uh, caught up. But, yeah, just want to make some comments on uh, what you said, too. One is when he brought up the filing of the uh, documents. Uh, that's the difference between filing documents and signing them. If you're signing them, you're showing that there's an approval of what you are signing. Okay, so there's a difference. Now, I can't speak for uh, Ms. Davis or Mrs. Davis. Uh, I've not had her on the show, nor have I spoke with her directly, but I'm hoping to be able to have that opportunity to do so. Uh, so but I'm speculating that there would not be the problem of filing them as much as there would be actually signing them. And then secondly is the fact that we he was talking about atheism. Well, if it was an atheist, would there be a problem? Well, one, atheism is not protected from the Constitution and the First Amendment, uh, much like religion is. Now, I always make this disclaimer to anyone who uh, is, and I said this earlier in the show, uh, has been a listener of the show, knows that I don't have any you know religious affiliation, especially that of the Christian sort, you know, more of on the pagan linings if uh, folks, and we could talk about that if, if anyone likes to or asks, that's fine. I'm uh, fine with that. But that's where that would be different as well, uh, because, you know, there's no protection for, you know, constitution protection for atheism or non-belief or whatever way you want to put it. But let's go ahead and hear from uh, caller Joe. But before we have uh, John, just go ahead. If anyone else like to chime in tonight, we've got other clips uh, that we're going to play, more interviews uh that Matt Bevan was in, as well as uh, some short uh, snippets from a couple of the candidates, uh, and they're chiming in on the issue. But give us a call at 347-945-7428. If you'd like to listen in or chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and we will get you in. But first, Joe, thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? How are you doing? Oh, it was under the weather today, but I'm I'm making it through. But uh, beyond that, go ahead. Okay. When I first got here, I didn't know it was a clip. I actually thought it was a live exchange of words. And I called in because I like to grill um, candidates and because, to me, uh, they're all liars. So if you grill them properly enough, you can expose that. And uh, what show uh, was the clip? Uh, I'll know this show on CNN. CNN. I can't recall who was the who was the host of the show, uh, okay. but then it was on CNN. Actually, a couple of the other uh, audios I have is uh, from one one. I know what clip I've got is Bevan, uh, mm. kind of going back and forth with Dershowitz, and then uh, Alan Dershowitz, and then well, we have Dershowitz another one. Is always interesting. I didn't hear that one. Mm. Yeah, I haven't played that one yet. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but the point I'm yeah, getting to is that this CNN interview, the guy that was doing the interviewing, wasn't too bad at all, considering that he also has to maintain the balance between trying to get to the truth and trying to make sure that the guests uh, reappear sometime in the future. So he can't really be too aggressive. But the thing is, he did ask pointed questions to which the Kentucky um, gubernatorial candidate didn't answer that well unless you really are into political speak. But I like people to answer questions. Oh, yeah. Questions. Well, yeah, he, he, he's, honed, he's honed his political speak very well. I'll give Bevan that. For not being a, 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 a professional politician, he's definitely honed his political speak well. I will give I will say that. <laughs> yeah. 
but I like people to answer the qu- a pointed question with a pointed answer. So that's why I like to call yeah, in and grill. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you, you know, uh, unless you're on BTR, you really don't do that because they don't they don't really do it that well on uh, Meet the Press or Face the Nation because they do have to draw that particular balance between having a um, a guest reappear on the show. Otherwise, their ratings go down and they get fired. So, uh, but to answer another, you know, uh, the issue, the the clerk, I believe, was not issuing. Um, marriage license um, as a result of her religious belief and probably to stick it to the uh, to the Supreme Court. Now, the interviewer did a, asked a nice question when he said, well, if the person was atheist, how would you feel? <laughs> but the, the guy, he says, well, it's um, just a hypothetical, but it's my job to answer, to come up with solutions. So he contradicted himself in like two seconds didn't realize that he was doing that but okay that's the way it is a lot of people would accept it as double speak and go on with their lives the thing is is that um all of us supposedly are protected by the first amendment uh the first amendment in particular does point to religion but it points to separation of church and state and you know the freedom uh, to not respect one religion over the uh, the authority and the right to not respect one religion over the uh, over over another the thing is, though, is that... Um, yeah, state religion, guys. Yeah, I happen to like one statement where the guy says he's wondering why the government's involved in this at all. Now, that's my particular um, premise. I don't believe religion... Yeah, that's pretty much where he stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't believe religion nor politics should take a stand um, or any kind of influence whatsoever when people want to get married. I think it's only up to the individuals themselves... And they don't need the approval of either the state or their particular uh, religious leaders in order for them to get married. That's not, as far as I'm concerned, it's not anybody's business. What do you think? You know, you know, I certainly believe you know that in part. Um, I've got no, you know, I mean, my my part with the whole gay you know marriage issue was that for the most part they could have gotten the same rights through civil unions and with with marriage. I think. It was kind of a, a one-up, one uh, you know, just trying to get to the religious portion of society is what I think, you know, to show, well, we're just as equal as you, so we could get, uh, mm-hmm. we should be married, you know. But civil unions gave the same rights. Um, I mean, if a guy and a guy and a girl and a girl want to get married uh, or have the same rights, so be it. Uh, you know, should I, do I think that they should have, you know, be able to do uh, end-of-life uh, decisions? Yes. Should they be able to be on each other's life and health insurance? Yes. Should they, you know, be able to, all those things, you know, medical, as I mentioned earlier, yes, those things should be the same. And they could pretty much do the same thing with with civil unions uh, as they can with being married. So, you know, I I hope that answers your question on that. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, your opinion is your opinion. Yeah, yeah, but the government, you know, but the government, um, you know, yeah, I think the government should stay out of it. And, I mean, you know, marriage per se is a religious institution, and pretty much the only reason why government got into it, you know, was you know, control, get fees from these licensing and yeah. taxes. <laughs> yeah, that's my feeling about it as well. They wanted to get uh, money out of it. They wanted to control the uh, the behavior of people, so they did get involved mm-hmm. in it. And the same thing with religion. Um, I think um, a good. I think I don't know about the Buddhist religion. But I think a good religion will say, if you want to get married in the eyes of God, come to us. But if you want to get married without having to come to us, uh, you know, more power to you. 
because again, I think that the rights of the individual um, take precedence over the rights of the government or the rights of so-called religion. Uh, because that's if you allow other people to make decisions for you, that's what they'll do, and they'll make the decisions without your consent and without your approval. So I say, stay out of my life altogether, and I will conduct it on a, on a basis of mutual exchange. And um, that's about as simple as it can get. But we've all been trained to look to the government to be our daddy and our mentors and our way of, um, of, of, of advice. And I say, don't. So what do you think? Well, yeah, I'm all, yeah, I'm definitely for uh, less government intrusion, of, you know, as well. And then I've got here in the, the chat, I like to bring people in chat, uh, and this is from here. It says, hi, everyone. Interesting. But those who believe in the Bible word, if you, if you can clarify some more of that, Harriet, I would appreciate it. Uh, so that, you know, then I can better, and, you know, our Joe here can better answer that for you. All right, yeah. Uh, for me, the Bible is the same as a comic book. You know, when you believe in the Bible as the basis for a God, it's circular reasoning. I can say I believe in Superman and believe that he's God, and I can say, well, the DC comic books are my Bible, and the DC comic books say that Superman exists, even though I've never seen him, never talked to him, nobody has. But because DC Comics says this guy exists, he must exist. So the same thing with the Bible. So it's circular reasoning. They go, they're going back to the Bible to say that God exists. But unless you have proof that God exists, the Bible doesn't mean anything. So to put that into a nutshell... That's just the way it is, and people who do believe in the Bible do so because of their teachings from their parents, their teachers, their authority figures, or presuppositionalism, which means I believe because I believe. But nobody well, can the, point. But in the mm-hmm. Well, and the difference with you, you know, with, with your analogy is DC. You know, now if somehow I don't see this happening, but <laughs> somehow if. You could get an organization, I guess, and you know to actually officially declare that you you know have religion Supermanism or something. I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, sure. <laughs> but you know, I mean, that, then that perhaps that could be something that'd be you know protected by you know the First Amendment, the separate. Well, see, here's the you know, and then separate you know with separation of church and state. But separation of church and state was never you know implied that. You know, you're not, uh, you know, can't have, for instance, I'll use examples of the best way to do it, is, you know, have the, you know, Ten Commandments on the grounds of a courthouse or something like that. I mean, I think that's not where, you know, what the intention, at least of the people who wrote it, the intention for separation of church. Well, I don't know, because in order to find out what they really intended, um, they'd have to be in the Federalist Papers or in some other documents, which maybe I haven't taken a look at. But I would think that to not have the Ten Commandments on state grounds, federal grounds, would be um, a good example of the First Amendment. Because if you're going to say, well, we're, we should have separation of church and state, but now you've got the nativity scene or you've got a cross on, on capital grounds, then Jews can come along, Muslims can come along, Buddhists can come along and say, look, <laughs> 
um, I'm, a, I'm a religious zealot, and I want my particular symbol of my religion to be on the ground just like your religion is. Um, if you can't respect... Well, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. well if the First Amendment says you can't respect one religion over the other, and you've got one religion on state grounds, then you have to have all of them on state grounds. So I happen to believe, I forget the woman's name, I think uh, back in the 60s or so, who wanted to take and got to be trust out of the uh, Pledge of Allegiance. At the time, when I was reading about it and learning about it, I disagreed with her, but then after thinking about it, um, I agree with her. Keep religion out of the state altogether. Everybody has the freedom to believe in their particular occultism any way they want, but not when it gets involved with government. So if you have this, it's like some people are protesting. Um, it was either a year ago or two years ago. There was a school who wanted to have the nativity scene, um, and I think they are some some students protested because um, they wanted to have on the school grounds their particular religious to be practiced as well. Um, and I'm thinking, look, the school is being funded by the federal government and the state government. The school can have anything they want except anything that pertains to religion. If the Muslims and the Jews and the Christians want to uh, practice their religion, um, they can do it any place else. That's the freedom of freedom. You are free to do other things as long as you don't encroach upon the rights of others. And when taxpayer money is being funneled into certain activities, then that makes it, um, you know, for all practical purposes, a ward of the state and keep religion out of government altogether. Keep the word God out. Keep everything that pertains to religion out of documents, out of presentations. What would you say... What would you say to those, Joe, who would say that this nation, that America, was based, you know, or has been based on Judeo-Christian values and by eliminating those things such as in God we trust off the dollar bill and this and that, um, and, and out the songs and things of that nature, out the Pledge of Allegiance, that what you're doing is you're actually altering the character uh, and some dare say even say you're altering the foundation of what this country was built upon. And if you take that out of uh, the American culture, the American, uh, you know, as you said, you know, you know, God, out the, you know, national anthem, things of that nature, aren't you uh, putting holes in the foundation of the country and then America will no longer be uh, what it was? But what, what would you say to people who would no, uh, argue that? Altering tradition. Uh, the country was founded on, um, for lack of a better expression, Judeo Christian values. Some would argue that the founding fathers were deists, some would argue that they weren't. But the thing is. Um, well, no, I think they're deists at the very least. Yeah, and so, okay, we can still have the Judeo Christian um, values. You just don't have to have it on government property. It's just as simple as that. If you want to believe in God, pledge your uh, pledge allegiance to the flag by saying under your breath, "In God we trust," and do it. But to do it officially, keep it out of government hands. It's just as simple as that, and it's important. 
because if you're going to have, uh, you're not going to undermine the traditions, the foundations. <clears throat> People do that anyway when they disobey the law or when they disobey their particular religion's tenets. So keep it out of the government's hands, because the government will take everything and anything and bastardize it. If you want to keep your religious precepts, keep them. Just keep them off government property. Just You've got, well, I don't know how many million, you've got about a billion acres of land in the United States. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to <laughs> pull out your banner and your flag and say, oh, I want to practice it here. Practice it in your house, practice it at your friend's house, practice it any place but on government property. Well, let's go ahead and accept uh, any of plenty of clips here, and we got plenty okay. of uh, time and plenty of conversation. I do want to bring it back to because one of the main points that someone asked me uh, on Facebook this evening, mm-hmm. you know, about the show is you know pretty much what's the point of it, and the point is is are we, you know, infringing on someone else's rights? And I'm not just talking about Kim Davis, but I'm talking about anyone who would be in her position. Mm-hmm. Or let's say later on, if you know you have two guys who. Uh, well, you know, are getting married and they want to force, uh, you know, or you want to have a cake with a two-man topper put on it and want the cake made, you know, by someone who doesn't agree with where they are standing and they try to sue the guy for not, you know, mm-hmm. doing the cake for them, they can probably go somewhere else to do it. You know, but what's the government going to do? Arrest this person saying, well, then, you know, uh, you know you're infringing upon their their equal rights and, you know, civil rights here. Exactly. To debate civil rights laws, things of that nature. That's hmm? what happens. When you get the government involved, now you have protected groups. Look at what, look what has happened from an embryonic situation decades ago and what's come of it to, uh, to current times. Now we have protected groups. Women are protected, blacks are protected, gays are protected. Um, everybody's protected except everybody. Well, uh, short men aren't protected. I got no protection well, for being a short guy. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, well, you're not going to. We're the most discriminated people in the United States. <laughs> that's that's true, and you're not going to get any protection as a man because I believe there's a concerted effort to break up the unity within the family structure and to maintain a kind of divisiveness along um, state lines and federal lines. And I think it's done on purpose. And I have evidence to, to back it up. Uh, not 24 carat smoking gun evidence, but I do have evidence to back it up. So, um, guys are getting the short shrift of it today, and we'll continue to do that until we grab our, our nuts and stand up for our own rights. Uh, because everybody else, um, except men, they're becoming protected, and men are becoming an endangered species existentially. But, you know, maybe the pendulum will swing back one day. But the thing is, is that when you get government involved, they decide who's protected, who's not protected. What once was a simple insult where you could handle it by going back and forth either verbally or punching somebody in the nose, now it's a federal <laughs> hate crime. Right. So, that I mean, take a look at, at the so-called evolution of what's happened just because people don't like other people, people get offended, it's, it's, it's become ridiculous. Now, as a result of that, what has happened to our tongue as a nation? We've become so domesticated, and we're so afraid of, of offending people, and the law uh, can actually lock you up for 
so-called verbal abuse, very few people actually speak out against any particular group. And that's designed to lead up to the fact that the government will not want you to speak out against the government. Mm-hmm. So that's no. my that's my conspiracy theory. <laughs> And, and we're gonna and soon we're gonna play the uh, the clip with Bevan and Dershowitz, but I do have oh, cool. uh, Cindy on the line, and so let's go ahead and bring her in. And I do see some other folks on the line. If you'd like to chime in, call us at three four seven nine four five seven four two eight. Push the one on your number dial if you would like to get into the show. And if you are listening to the show and you are a Twitter user, uh, just put uh, on there. Type in listening to Bard's Logic. And then paste it, copy and paste in the link uh, to your Twitter feed there, and then put the hashtag PJNet because we are part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And tweet that out to your friends, uh, whether you're listening now live on the show or if you're listening here on the archives or to the podcast. Uh, just go in there and just put listening to Bard's Logic, put the link in if you could fit to the title, uh, that'll be good. And then the hashtag PJNet. So let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Cindy. Thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine, I guess. I'm kind of tired, but I'm doing all right. Yes, um, I, have, I have an opinion about what y'all been talking about, but you go ahead and do the um, the, the clip first. Okay. Let's play the dirt. Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and play the dirt switch clip. And oh, just a reminder, folks, broad. that even though we are playing the audio, uh, the mics will be live, so if there's any background noise or anything, uh, please mute your phones or mics, say, whatever you're calling in on say, uh, during mute, the clip. You should mute me, all right, until the clip is over, because I know the static is probably coming from my line, and I don't have a mute button on my phone here. Oh, okay. No problem. Thank you. Okay. And let's go ahead and hear a little banter here from Dursowitz and Matt Bevan. I'll be a Skype. Uh, Mr. Dershowitz, thank you so much. Uh, what do you make of his comments? Well, he has a point that we should always try to accommodate people's religious beliefs, and here there was a possibility of accommodating it. The court, instead of putting her in jail, could have simply ordered that there be marriages that are valid and leave it to the Kentucky authorities to decide how to make them valid. But I want to put a question to your listeners and to the lawyer as well. Would she be as much of a rock star if she refused to marry divorced people? And that's a prohibition of the New Testament. Jesus was actually firmer in his prohibition against remarriage after divorce than he was about uh, gay marriage, which he didn't comment on. Would she be as much of a rock star if she had refused to marry divorced couples? Of course not. So there is an element of bigotry behind why she is such a rock star. This is all about gay people and the strong opposition to gay marriage in some parts of the country. And let's face that reality. People use religion as a cover for bigotry. And you're absolutely right. This is no different than the Loving case where the Supreme Court held that interracial marriage uh, is constitutionally required or can't be constitutionally prohibited. And if the state of Virginia in that case had tried to fool around by saying, well, the clerk won't do it, but maybe your assistant will. Nobody would have tolerated that, and we can't tolerate this as well. The constant is gay people have to be able to get married. The variable is how you do it. I'm glad the judge actually took her out of jail where she was a martyr 
and now make sure let's enforce the law and make sure that gay people can get married without any hesitation and without any rope. Let's be clear about what the law of the land is and what the Constitution says and what she's accused of breaking, Alan. What is it? The Constitution now says that it is forbidden for any state to deny gay people the right to marriage. Now, your previous guest says, well, there's a difference between the ruling and the law. Let him go back to law school. Since Marbury versus Madison in the first part of the uh, 18th century, uh, 19th century, uh, we have made no distinction between legislation and rulings of the court. The rulings of the court are the law of the land. And under the supremacy clause, the state of Kentucky must obey the rulings. He makes an analogy to, you know, Dred Scott. The better analogy is to, you know, Governor Wallace standing and blocking schools from being desegregated. And then, too, the Supreme Court just issued a ruling, but that was the law of the land. And we cannot allow local officials to stand in the way of enforcing the law of the land, which requires that state officials allow gay couples to marry. Mr. Dershowitz, I understand from my producers that uh, Matt Bevin is listening and he wants to uh, respond to what you're saying. Go ahead, Mr. Dershowitz. Sure, my question to Mr. Dershowitz, and again, I have great respect for your knowledge of the law, but I wonder, do you think it was appropriate for state-level officials, or for that matter, for the President of the United States, to stand in defiance of, of the Dred Scott decision? Do you think that it was appropriate uh, for people to have rather than done so comply with the law? Would you have rather that the president and every state, including those abolitionist states, have stood there and taken it because it was, after all, the law of the land? Do you think in any way, shape, or form they had any right under the Tenth Amendment to stand on their ability uh, as sovereign states in defying that order in 1857? No, I think if you want to defy an order of the Supreme Court and engage in civil disobedience, you do what Martin Luther King did, you go to jail. Uh, or you do what conscientious objectors do, you don't serve in the army. The one thing you can't do is you can't agree to serve in the army if you're a conscientious objector and then refuse an order. She should resign from her job because she can't fulfill her job. She should take another job a job that doesn't require her to violate the law. That would be the principal thing to do. But it is not principal to say that she is allowed an exception under the Constitution to follow the law of the land. Now, you know, under Dred Scott, we needed to fight a civil war, obviously, to end that injustice. That's not the paradigm. Today, no, we have Mr. Dershowitz, Mr. Dershowitz, we can change the you law. You understand very well. You've spun this off... You've spun this off in another orbit. You understand very well. When I asked you a question, you Quickly, said Mr. no. Bevin, we're out, you don't think it was time. appropriate that our president... You no, don't no, believe that our, any state should have stood in defiance of that. That's where I beg to differ with you. Now, we talk, you're talking about war and civil disobedience. I'm talking about law. The rule of law applies. You know, if you want to elect Governor Huckabee to be the next president... Let's with law, sir. Let him finish. Nominees to the Supreme Court who will change the rules, or you can amend the Constitution. But you cannot simply disobey the law. And I would urge people not to vote for a governor who was a law violator. Yeah. All righty. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. We're out of time. We come right back. Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. no. All righty, folks. One thing I found interesting, I think it was, uh, I think it was that interview 
uh, where, you know, he's telling Bevan that, oh, we're going to sell time, we're going to sell time, and then Bevan gets quiet and he lets Dershowitz go on. <laughs> you know, so we'll go ahead and uh, bring it over to you, Joe. I'm opening back up in your mic. Uh, I mean, as I said, I found that interesting. He's trying to quiet Bevan. And then he uh, go ahead and lets uh, Dershowitz go on. Uh, so it kind of tells you where he's at. But go ahead and give us uh, your thoughts on that exchange. And I hate when they talk over each other. That drives me nuts. That one, one thing we don't really allow here on the show. But uh, I mean, I, it drives me nuts when I see that. Are you still there with the chill? Well, I hear something. Um, but let's go ahead and until we can bring Joe in. Uh, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Sam. We haven't uh, heard much from you, but go ahead. Are you asking me? Yeah, I think yeah, it sounds like uh, Joe's trying to get back in with us, but there may be some difficulties there. Uh, so we'll go ahead and bring it over to you until Joe can get back in. Go ahead. Okay, well, um, and first of all, I, I don't agree at all with uh, – well, l- let me just tell you uh, – Can you hear me? Oh, well, uh, there we go. Guy. Real quick. Oh, okay, Real quick, nothing, Cindy. No, we got Joe back. We'll go I'll ahead let, and bring it over to no, Joe, and then we'll bring it back, Cindy. Well, I was going to let Cindy speak since she hadn't had a chance to oh, speak. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cindy. Then, Joe. Continue, Cindy. Okay. Well, first of all, um, he made the, the point that, uh, well, if she didn't if she didn't want to do her job, she shouldn't have taken the job. But um, in her case, she did not take her oath of office. Um, it, it went at a point where that law was in in place yet. She, in fact, she'd been right. working there for 22 years as the clerk, and the the this law was only thrust upon her many months after she took that her last oath um, of reelection. So uh, that that's not a good argument. But um, <clears throat> um, and 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 I just wanted to say. Uh, real quick about um, this separation of church and state issue. First of all, you have to know that it's not, those words are not in the Constitution, and I'm sure you already know that, but um, I just want to remind you of it. And um, uh, when Madeline Murray O'Hare took uh, prayer and Bible out of the public schools, what she did was um, to take uh, the parents out of the picture. Um, Public schools were supposed to be run by the public, by local public uh, officials and local parents were supposed to have the say-so about what goes on in their school. Gradually, over the years, the federal government has taken more and more power away from the um, individual states and counties uh, where the where the power is supposed to be, uh, it it has always been intended. And in fact, um, you, you'll have to you'll have to forgive me. I cannot uh, remember who which school board made this uh, um, comment. But after um, the government decided to make schools public, uh, this teachers' organization. Um, told them that, uh, well, they put out a statement saying that it would be the worst possible thing ever to happen in the United States if um, the government were to start uh, getting in and, and telling the, the 
teachers and the parents what they could put in their school, and she and the the um, teachers specifically mentioned um, that that God would be taken out of the schools, um, that Bible study would be taken out of the schools, that that would be the worst thing that could happen, and um, basically what it's done is it has forced. Uh, a lot of people into sending their children to public schools where they do not agree at all with what's going on there. They cannot count on them to be getting, to, to be taken care of and be safe. They cannot count on them getting a decent education anymore. Um, and many cannot afford to go to a private school. They're stuck in this, these public schools. Some can and are able to, um, to um, homeschool. But basically, homeschoolers, you, you have to have somebody that's staying home. And mm-hmm. they have taxed us out the wazoo so badly, we're forced to have everybody in the household going to work. And so who's going to stay home and, and, and raise the children? Well, the public school is raising our children. And, the, and then after-school programs, and, and some of them are just latchkey kids that come home to nothing, um, and it's, it's, it's become a very dangerous um, prospect. But as far as Thomas Jefferson and, and the founders are concerned, um, the, the gentleman Joe was asking was uh, commenting that um, that they didn't they didn't want that that they wanted government and religion to be separate. That is about as far from the truth as you can get. If there are hundreds thousands of letters, queries, um, articles in newspapers, um, official statements and, and um, documents. And uh, there's, if, you, if you really want to study that issue, there is a book called America's God and Country, Encyclopedia of Quotations, by William J. Federer. And it is the uh, quote and writings of all the founders and many people after that. And you can read what they say, and you see very clearly that they did not have any intention of separating um, government and religious uh, liberties at all. In fact, (coughs) Thomas Jefferson actually attended church in the Capitol building, um, there was church going on in public buildings. Uh, it, it, in the, the um, Declaration of Independence, which he penned, uh, he writes words like laws of nature and of nature's God and divine providence, mentioning God. And, and while serving in the Virginia Assembly and as governor of Virginia, both times he, he um, introduced resolution, resolutions days of uh, fasting and prayer and um, he wrote in in, um, one of his queries that it was God who gives us our liberty and he said a very important thing that I I, in fact I so relate to him right now in our day and time I, I can totally relate to this statement he said I quote I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just that his justice cannot sleep forever. And and to me, the the way evil has become good and good has become evil now, 
Um, it's it's very scary to me. And let's look at the let's look at the results of taking God and Bible and everything out of the schools. 1960s that happened. We are seeing unprecedented, skyrocketing, skyrocketing out of wedlock pregnancies, skyrocketing crime and violence, drug use. Uh, promiscuousness and sexual, uh, sexually transformed diseases, suicides and self-mutilization, uh, uh, just out of control everything that you don't want. That's what we're getting now. And and it's all because there is no one, no one is, and look at what's happened with the police these days. No, it, we're the one last bastion of authoritarian um, uh, you know, someone to keep people accountable um, is leaving us. People have no respect for the police. They have no respect for military. They have no respect for any teachers, parents. We have a, a, a gener a, several generations now that have just gone off the off the map in uncontrollable behavior. And it's showing up in everything. It, it's costing us a lot of money. When you look at all the the, the the crime and the and the the problems that we have with the health problems that we have from all the uh, drugs, alcohol, smoking, um, the sexually transmitted diseases, all of these things uh, cause us to spend money. And that's just part of what is helping to bring us down, not to mention the fact that morality has just checked out, has just checked out of this country. There is no more morality. When you can say, when, when, when a group says to you, hey, it's okay if you slice open a baby's face and suck out its brains, there's nothing wrong with that. But, buddy, don't you interfere with me getting my marriage license if I'm gay. There's just something big time wrong about that. I, I don't know how you can look at those two different things any differently. Um, and, but they are somehow. Somehow people have steered their conscience to where to where they nothing but what they say they want is moral. What they want is moral. What everybody else wants, too bad. These dumb Christians, these silly Christians, these, um, you know, people who, uh, bleeding heart, uh, baby lovers that, you know, and, and it's just really sad. And, you know, the Capitol buildings are full of quotes carved into the stone, quotes from the Bible, quotes about God from the founders and other elected officials. I mean, the, the Capitol is full of them. So, you know, if you want to take God out of the country uh, or out of the public life, you've got a whole lot of chiseling to do. You've got a lot of uh, um, law books that you might want to just uh, toss um, because you, when when you think that 30-some percent of uh, our Constitution was written with the Bible in mind, to me that makes... Um, that makes it pretty clear that the founders thought an awful lot of the, the condition of man 
as it relate as he relates to um, uh, to public life and to government. And in fact, some states required that you were a Christian, that you professed to be a Christian before you could hold public office. That's how deeply these people felt like the two went hand in hand. Now, what Thomas Jefferson was speaking about when he talked about the um, separation of church and state um, was because he was he was assuring the people from Rhode Island that um, they were not going to be forced into be, being um, members of the Church of England because the Church of England, before the Revolution, had stretched its long fingers out over the Atlantic Ocean and had come in there and started taking the religious freedoms away from these people who had come over here for religious freedom. And now all of a sudden they realize, um, you know, the, the tithing man is coming to call and, and um, the, the, he wants to know where your money is and, and why you're not in church and... Um, the pastor of the Baptist church where you want to attend is hauled up on charges of blasphemy and, and stuff like that. That's the kind of thing that, that uh, Thomas Jefferson was talking about when he said there's a wall of separation between church and state. And by the way, he said that. Uh, he wasn't even here when he said that, and he did not even know what the uh, Bill of Rights ha- uh, had done and, and had said to the people um, uh, and the rights that it had given them, and and he didn't he didn't know of any such phrase as the wall of separation being in the Constitution. He knew there was no such thing, and never even thought of that. He was just trying to assure everyone that whichever Christian religion or whichever religion, what church, whatever church you wanted to belong to, you were going to have freedom to do that under the new constitution. Um, so there was never an intention to totally uh, remove God, remove Ten Commandments, remove prayer, remove... People were people started every meeting with, with, with um, prayers back then. And, you know, Benjamin Franklin, who was accused of, you know, being either an atheist or a, only a deist, um, he's the one who basically got everybody back on track from the middle of their arguments uh, and, and said, look, guys, you know what? How can you build this house if you're not building it on, on God? And he said, you need to pray it. You need to start praying about this. And so from then on, everybody um, uh, had decided they were going to pray before their uh, their con- uh, convention constitutional convention so um you know there was so much and the the men in there if you read the stories of all those men and their writings and it, it you just don't you don't you don't know where that that feeling could even come from where you could take bible out of a public school or you could take prayer out of public school when you make it when you make it illegal for a teacher to have a bible on her desk can you make it illegal for a little child to bow his head and, and say his prayers over his lunch? I'm sorry, but there is something big time wrong with that. You are violating my First Amendment rights. I mean, big time. And um, when you say that my, that, that my kids can't go in the public school and talk about Jesus with their teacher, 
uh, in front of whoever, to me, that is violating our religious freedom. Um, and there's a religious conscience, a conscience in, involved here. And this woman who um, did not want to, um, you know, sign these marriage certificates, that's a matter between her and God. Uh, she would not have done that if God had said to her, uh, this is not, you know, I don't sanction this kind of marriage. Why are you sanctioning this kind of marriage? And um, she, as her, as a Christian, I don't know how she could have done that. And here's the, here's the other can of worms that's going to be open next. What pastors are going to be forced into marrying gay people when and that's, in Bible sodomy? Well, yeah, and, I, and, and we may get, yeah, and we may get to that. But I'm going to go ahead and bring uh, Joe back in. We got uh, some more clips. But yeah, I, I agree. They're going to try to start making people, you know. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, are they going to be able to go to a, a cake maker or, or let's say, you know, a dressmaker? You know, a woman well, comes in and that. or two women. What, 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 what if two women go into uh, a bridal shop, you know, in that bridal shop? You know, it's a small personally owned bridal shop. And the, you know, person who uh, is to fit them or sell them the dress says, well, I can't sell to you. I, I can't sell these dresses to you because you're having a same-sex marriage. What are you going to do? You know, have the law come in and arrest them because they're not going to sell, you know, they're not going to sell their dresses to them. Let's go ahead and bring it over to you, Joe. Hey, Robert, first, uh, can you tell me why all this noise is on the phone? Do you hear all the noise I, on the I, phone or is this just me? Yeah, first it's static. I don't know if that's uh, over from here, Joe. Joe mentioned something about me. static or? Okay. Yeah, that's, that's my phone. I said you could mute me. Um, so now that I'm back on, well, I guess I've always been on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the thing is, I haven't read the book, but um, even if the Founding Fathers um, believed in Jesus Christ and the Bible, now good for them. Uh, the First Amendment still uh, protects people from not having to pursue the religion, opinions, and religious fervor of other people. There should be a separation. And again, government is government, and government should not impose either implicitly or explicitly their particular religious viewpoints on other people. Now, if on religious property and schools, if kids want to talk about their particular religion um, in front of other students, in front of other teachers, that's fine. That's not being sanctioned by the government. It's you, not fine. It's not it fine? Wait a minute. It's not fine. So you're saying that if kids, uh, Muslim kids, want to talk about their particular religion, or Buddhist kids want to talk about Buddha, and they no, it's, it's okay for them. It's okay for them. It's only Christian kids who are who are not allowed to talk about God. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm a know. homeschooler. I'm a homeschooler because I've seen this all over in well, my town. okay. But the thing is, now you've just said that the Buddhist kids and Muslim kids they can talk about it, but Christian kids right. in the same classroom, having uh, sitting at the same table with the kids, the other kids of other religions, they can't talk about it. Well, let me just give you let me give you an example. Uh, we just were, recently went through this because of Common Core coming in, which is another example of federal government taking over the, the public school system. Um, uh, they, the Common Core, the new Common Core history books came out, and um, one of the children brought their history book home to uh, his mother. It was a, a high school textbook, and in it was this big old long 
chapter on the the Muslim religion, and it was nothing but a puff piece of the Muslim religion, nothing about terrorism or anything like that. It portrayed it totally inaccurately in all, it, it, just by, by fact of by the fact that it left out so much. It was what was in there about Christianity. What was not? What was that in there about Christianity? Not one word. All right, I'll concede all of that to you because, as I said before, the government is doing, on a concerted uh, basis, um, an effort to try to um, divide the uh, the people here in America. And right now, mm-hmm. uh, who knows? They might even be trying to introduce a real law because they've already done that in certain communities, which are probably populated mainly by people who are who are practicing Sharia law over in their particular country, and it shouldn't be done. Uh, but the thing is, is that I was we were talking about the Constitution itself, and if you want to talk about present-day bastardization, then I'm going to have to say it's going to get a lot worse. And not only will the religious aspects be brought in to divide the country up, but there'll be, as that's going on now, racial aspects, there'll be political um, division, um, even more than it is now. But the thing is, is going back to the founding fathers, if you have, I I didn't read that book, um, but if um, the book is talking about and presenting their letters, and if those letters are being presented not out of context with regards to their particular opinion about God should be, in the government, I'm going to have to read that for myself. Um, but be that as it may, what, logic... what, I'll, I'll, real, real quick, uh, mm-hmm. real quick, I don't want to drop it. Real quick, okay. I just want to do a mm-hmm. real, 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 real cause I, it's it's a connection with what you just said. Okay. Um, and you know, we talk about separating, you know, politics and religion. There's something Gandhi said to me, you know, when I was uh, studying Gandhi in college is, um, you know, and I'm not quoting and paraphrasing, but it's, I think it's a near quote, is that those who think you could separate politics and religion really don't understand religion. Because for so many of religious, they cannot separate their politics from their religion. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, And John. vice versa. Yeah. And Kelly, I do see on the line, we'll get you in shortly. Go ahead, John. Um, no, my basic point is, is that Regardless of what the Constitution is interpreted as by the Supreme Court or by other people, it makes sense to not have the government have any more power over any type of institutions or opinions of the people at large. And it would be a good idea just to remain neutral. Again, people who want to go to public school and assume that if you take God out and the Bible out, and that's the reason why we have uh, um, a decaying society today, I would just say take a look at the Jewish, Catholic, Protestant parochial schools, which do nothing but teach religion all day, and you still have psychopaths coming out of those schools. So that's a logical fallacy to believe that the public school or taking out religion from the public school is a major reason, if not the primary reason. Oh, Joe, Joe, you can't possibly equate the numbers of crazy people back then with the numbers of crazy people now. That, I'm that's not. What I'm talking about, what I'm talking about, Cindy, is that you said the reason why we have a decaying society today is because they've taken God out of public school, and that's the reason why you're doing your homeschooling. I'm saying. That's a logical fallacy. 
because you're taking a look at a situation saying here is the absence of a particular element. If the element was present, then um, the other conditions would disappear. And I'm saying, no, there's a clear condition of that element which you're talking about being present at schools, having taught millions of students over the years. And when you take a look at <laughs> what these particular graduates are, are, have been doing since um, they've gone to the parochial schools, you're going to find your psychopaths among them, which proves that that particular element is not as decisive a factor as you think it is. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, no, I, I don't agree with you there because my kids well, we'll, did. We'll, we'll uh, definitely have to get statistical information on, you know, with, you know, statistical information, which unfortunately none of us have at this time. Uh, but perhaps when we have Kelly on, someone would like uh, to uh, to look that up. Uh, but let's go ahead and bring Kelly in. Uh, and Kelly, I will thank you very much uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Can't hear him or her. <laughs> Kelly, it's a he. When yeah, he Kelly. Gets in. Can't hear him. I know he's talking. Can't hear him. <laughs> Nope. Yeah, I can hear him breaking in and out. <laughs> yeah. Well, we can hear you like you're way far away, Kelly. Oh, my microphone isn't working very good on the phone. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I can barely hear him at all. Yeah. Tell you what, why don't you mute me, Bart? I'll get rid of the static. And when I want to come back in, I'll just press 1 and put my hand up. Oh, there you go. And we'll bring it back to you. Uh, bring it back to you. Uh, Kelly, you, you there, buddy? Yeah, can you hear me okay now? Not well, okay, but barely hear you. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to have to call back in then. If you think you can get yeah, a better connection. Yeah, definitely can get a better connection. While he does that, let me go ahead and play the another interview we've got here uh, with Matt Bevan, and then I've got a few short clips uh, from uh, some presidential candidates we'll play later. But first, let's go ahead and uh, play that second interview I've got uh, with uh, Matt Bevan. That was Kim Davis again earlier today. Matt Bevan was at the rally celebrating her release from jail today. He is a Republican candidate for governor of Kentucky, and he joins me now. Uh, good evening to you, Mr. Bevan. Kim Davis was released from jail today. You don't think that she should ever have been there, even though she was defying the law of the land. I do agree with that, Don, and I uh, appreciate you having me on tonight. Uh, the reality is, what law did she break? I would, I would challenge anyone to state that. What's interesting is that on July 10th, long before this, what ultimately turned into a carnival, uh, was unfolded, I put forward a solution, because that's what governors do and people who aspire to be governor. I put forward a solution on July 10th to resolve this situation so that all parties could be treated under the law. I'm running against a man who's the attorney general of this state, who if he had his brothers, she would still be in jail tonight. That's the difference. Well, and it's something we ought to talk about as this uh, interview unfolds. Well, the Supreme Court said that uh, marriage, that same-sex marriage was a law of the land, and she refused to serve, uh, to give marriage licenses, not only to same-sex couples, but to everyone. And uh, the, the, the Fed said she was breaking the law. That was a law of the land. So that's the law that she broke. But I, I want to show you, this is what you tweeted your support of Kim Davis when she was still in jail. You said, I was honored to have Kim Davis and her husband ask for me to visit them in the Carter County Jail today. And then you said, we are KY, we are Kentucky. Yeah. What did she say to you when you visited her? 
I'm not going to share that information. I've had others ask me the same thing out of fairness to her and with respect to her and her husband, Joe. Uh, that's privileged conversation. Uh, but it was an excellent conversation. I've had conversations with them in the past. It was good to see them. And I'm delighted that, in fact, uh, she is not in jail tonight. Should never have been there. Okay, so she's, listen, she has been highly criticized, as you know, uh, and especially when it comes to the sanctity of marriage. She's been married four times. Do you find it hypocritical for her to stand in judgment of others, again, when you're considering uh, particularly the sanctity of marriage? Did you happen to watch the entire uh, press conference today or the entire uh, situation unfold? I watched it, but if you will answer my question and then we can, we can discuss that. Now, the reason, I, the reason I ask is that I would encourage you and anyone else who's watching, go back and listen to her life story. I don't find it at all to be the case. In fact, I, what I find to be hypocritical are so many folks who attack her for her personal life when, in fact, her Christian faith is something that is a new part of her life in recent years, that all of the things that you're quick to be snide about uh, predate any of her religious convictions. I think she should be applauded for somebody who has looked back on her life and realized that's the old version of who I was, and with my religious faith, I've taken a different tack. She should be applauded for that. This is the type of thing that, frankly, regardless of people's religious faith, we celebrate and we protect in America because that's what America does. Well, I'm not being excited. I'm just asking you the questions here. So I, I'm, not, I'm not being excited. It's just I'm, I'm asking questions and you're answering them. How are her actions, though, any different than refusing a biracial couple a license? They're very different in this case. You go back to the Loving case or whatever the case might be. This is an instance where, as you noted, the Supreme Court makes rulings. And in this case, they did make a ruling. They reinterpreted the 14th Amendment to provide and afford certain protections under the law to, in this case, same-sex couples for the ability to get married. Fair enough. But what we have in the state of Kentucky is actual enabling legislation. We have on the books a law that actually precludes that from being the case. What has happened historically when this has been the case? One of two things. Either states have said we're not going to agree, such as when Dred Scott said that blacks were the property of whites and were subhuman. There were states that simply said we're not going to agree with that and we will become what would ultimately known as abolitionist states. And they said we will, at the state level, stand on our Tenth Amendment rights and do something different. So that has been the case. There have been others, including that which you noted. So there's a disconnect between a ruling and the actual law itself. It's important to note that, again, on July 10th, I put forward an, a solution that would allow this, just as the state of Hawaii, who has been marrying same-sex couples longer than probably anybody, has done, which is you make this a downloadable form. Remove the names of the county clerks. That, that, that happened, that happened there today. Is in fact, equal protection under the law. That happened today. That was a compromise, but her attorney is saying that that's still not enough. Is she still going to go back to work? She's not going to compromise her principles, but did not say whether she would ha give uh, marriage licenses to same-sex couples. I want to play this for you because when we're talking about religion here and the interpretation of the Bible. This is something that reminded me of something that I saw on television years ago. It's from a television show called West Wing. Take a look. I don't say homosexuality is an abomination, Mr. President. The Bible does. Yes, it does. Leviticus. 18.22. Chapter and verse. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions while I had you here. I'm interested in selling my youngest daughter into slavery, a sanctioned in Exodus 21.7. She's a Georgetown sophomore, speaks fluent Italian, always cleared the table when it was her turn. What would a good price for her be? 
Touching the skin of a dead pig makes one unclean. Leviticus 11.7. If they promise to wear gloves, can the Washington Redskins still play football? Can Notre Dame? Can West Point? Does the whole town really have to be together to stone my brother John for planting different crops side by side? Can I burn my mother in a small family gathering for wearing garments made from two different threads? Think about those questions, would you? So I'd like to think about those questions. He is basically saying that what she is doing is relying on ancient texts, even the Bible, to object to something in a modern-day life. And it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't even follow the law. Frankly, what you're asking me to do is make commentary on a television program. I'm talking about but real it's about life. actual real-life Bible verses. They're real-life Bible verses. I'm running for governor. I understand that. I understand that. Mr. Bevan, will you answer my question? Those are real-life Bible verses that he's referring to. If you would stop talking, Well, I will stop talking, but anyway. Those are real-life Bible verses that he's referring to. You're showing an amazing, an amazing... I'm not showing it. I'm asking you... You're, you're selectively choosing. No, but that's what she's doing. That is the criticism of her. Let me tell that you. That is not the criticism of me. Hang on. Will you let me finish? Will you let me finish? And then, I'll, and then you can answer the question. What she has done is interpreted you're certain... a little bit upset here. I'm not upset. I'm just trying to get you to answer the question. You are the one who is not answering the question. What she has done has picked the Bible verses that she wants to interpret them in the way that she wants to interpret them when there are many Bible verses that you can interpret literally and you can draw your own conclusion from. Go ahead and please answer the question. Don, I appreciate your now theological expertise and I appreciate you sharing that with your audience, but the bottom line is this. What I have done as a guy running for governor is propose a solution whereby there is equal protection under the law. This is something our current governor and our current attorney general, Jack Conway, should have addressed. Mr. Jack Bevin, Conway, who's also Mr. Bevin, with all due respect, you have answered that three times. You just, you, you've just given me the same answer three times, that you're running for governor and that you've proposed an, a legislation and that you've proposed an yeah. alternative. I understand exactly. that. But you Why would we not, not want a solution? Question. Why would we not want a solution to this? We do want a solution. I want you to answer my question. That happened today. That's what the judge decided. Please answer my question about the scripture. That is, actually, you're not, that's not correct. Don, you're not correct on that. The judge did not say that this will become a downloadable form. He did not say that her name will the be The judge took her name off of the form. And he did not been, say that it will the, be filed. The name was taken off the forms, and they have been giving the forms out without her name on the form. Yes, but this is not addressing the issue in the state of Kentucky. My job will not be to deal in hypotheticals. My job will not be to comment on comments made on television shows. My job as governor of this state in the next two months and beyond is going to be addressing real-life situations with real people. And in this instance, that means finding equal protection under the law so that those who have the ability to be married are able to do so, and those who, frankly, have constitutional rights protected by the First Amendment, don't have those suppressed as an effort of elevating the rights of others. It's not one or the other. There can be equal protection under the law. This is what I'm calling for. I have never heard one negative word, not one negative word from Kim Davis or any of these other clerks yeah. about any homosexuals whatsoever. Never a single bad word. All the vitriol, all the nastiness, all of the vile commentary has come from the other side directed at her.
And I would challenge any of your listeners and yourself to find any instance of it being the other way around. Thank you, Mr. Bevan. You don't have to call people names in order to discriminate against them. It can be equally as harmful. But I appreciate your time on my show. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, what until at this time, uh, how we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and uh, bring in Kelly, and then we're going to uh, bring Joe back in, and then uh, you, Cindy. Uh, but first, uh, before we do that, uh, we're going to hear from the Patriot Journalist Network, and you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. You're not just listening to a show, you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And again, you can find the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. If you're listening to this show tonight, either live or on the archive, uh, go ahead and go to your Twitter feed and put in listening to Bard's Logic, and then copy and paste and put the link in there for those uh, who you are following, or should I should say following you, uh, to go to the link. And if they can, put the hashtag PJNet on there, and perhaps the title of the show as well. But the important thing is the link to the show, uh, as long as uh, the title, and then, of course, the uh, hashtag, and then if uh, listening to Bard's Logic. So even if you have to abbreviate, you know how Twitter works. Uh, do that. That uh, will be appreciated so that other folks can uh, access the archive and listen to tonight's episode as well. Uh, so check that out on your Twitter feed and share the show with your followers. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in Kelly. Kelly, thank you very much for coming to the show. Are you back now? I'm back. Can you hear me okay now? Now you're still really low, uh, Kelly. I don't know what's, what it is. We never had this with you before, but we'll do our best. And for those who are listening on speakers on your computer or your phone, or I know there's a lot of folks are accessing the show uh, either through iTunes and also accessing the show uh, through their smartphones, so good old technology. So if you're listening to it, uh, let's go ahead and turn up uh, those volumes so if we can't hear Kelly good. But go ahead, Kelly. We're going to do our best. All right. Well, I'm kind of yelling, and hopefully my microphone's working better on my phone. Is that better? No, I can't say really. (laughs) But go ahead. I got everybody else's. Muted so we can concentrate on yours. Yeah. Well, I, we have to skip me tonight, I guess. I'll listen. Hello? Yeah, Hello, I can hear you. Oh, you can hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you better, yeah. Still a little low, but good. <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty impressed at how well Matt Evans handled that uh, reporter or whoever. Um, you know, I'm not in the business of hypotheticals or commenting on commenting. I, I want to deal with real-world situations. I mean, that was stunning how Bevins dealt with him. I, I just thought that's very cool. Uh, is he up in the polls now? Well, you're cutting in and out. Uh, as to the polls, it looks like they're pretty close. 
there's only about 3% uh, between them right now. It actually looks like Conway, at least is at the end of July. Now we're on the beginning of um, September, so the polls might be a little bit different. But as of the end of July, we were looking at um, – we were looking at Bevan actually down by 3%, but it could be different. And, and, and perhaps uh, his support today get a boost. Uh, but we're still in a hard time uh, hearing you, Kelly. And I do see other folks on the line. Uh, so if you'd like to chime in uh, to tonight's show, uh, just give us a uh, call at 347-945-7428. And I also see folks uh, who are on the line, if you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial, and we will get you into the show, and you too can join our roundtable discussion. Again, if you'd like to call us, do it at 347-945-7428. And you'll need to do it for the next 33 minutes, because if not, unfortunately, uh, you will not be able to join the show, even though we will be in our uh, extended period. And so if you'd like to listen or be a part of that, Give us a call for the next 33 minutes to do so. And uh, I see that Joe would like to chime back in, and then we're going to bring it up to, up to you, Cindy. And then, Kelly, if uh, we can get a better connection, if you can get louder, uh, we'll go ahead and get you in as well. Uh, let's hopefully we'll be able to do that because, of course, we always like to hear uh, from Kelly. So let's go ahead and bring Joe back in. Thank you very much. Joe, go ahead. Sure. I want to respond to what Kelly said. <clears throat> he believed that. I think the guy's name is Devlin, whoever's running for uh, governor. Devlin, Matt Devlin. Okay. That he responded well to the interviewer's questions by saying, I'm not here to comment on other people's comments or high hypotheses on a television show. Excuse the hell out of me, then why are you showing up? If you're on a television show, you're going to be interviewed by whoever's interviewing you, and if they're going to ask you high, hypothetical questions, that is a logical way of trying to find out what your particular political philosophy is. So my opinion is, is that Devlin, he went or tried to go into doublespeak, which he did, but I think it was a poor job uh, myself. And that's that. Well, you, can, you can mute me. I'll I know. I'm, I'm more for handling questions, uh, you know, some questions directly. You know, now some of the questions yeah. they think, uh, you know, you know, we're kind of stupid, but I think that, especially with the TV shows, I don't think that, you know, and that was West Wing. We know that was such a liberal, Democrat pushing show. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I downloaded that episode months ago, not because of what Martin Sheen was saying there, but because he was saying all those Bible verses, not only to make a point about the Bible, but at the end of the clip, he was letting that girl know that when the president enters the room, the girl was sitting. When the president entered the room, everybody stood up except her. And he was, he was making a point, um, going, I don't know, something about rendering onto the Bible what the Bible says. But in today's modern times, when the president enters, everybody stands. So he's trying to make um, a point about political correctness. And regardless of the fact that you're a man or woman of whatever your status might be, the president of the United States commands that type of attention. So I had that clip downloaded because part of the clip was that, what you had played, and some other clips. But I remember that clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the show a little bit, but, you know, I ended up on the, you know, I just couldn't take it anymore. 
<laughs> the uh, show anymore. It, just, uh, it, was, it was just too blatantly liberal for me. I'm just like, you know, and she's like every, she's like in every TV show when there's a crooked politician, it's a Republican, and they don't even necessarily say a Republican. Like mm-hmm. I was, there was a Law and Order on the other day, and I know I digress a little bit, and I won't do much. There was a Law and Order the other day. I was watching uh, with my dad, and there was uh, two senators. And then one was crooked. And, of course, they didn't say the party, but the other one was a part of the Rainbow Four Coalition. And that person wasn't the corrupt politician. So it kind of lets you know which one was a Republican and which one was a Democrat, okay? So they kind of pointed out, and I'm just like, you know, I, I just can't watch this kind of show. It's just for that. Just, well, it's, it's been it's that so blatantly for a, biased. It's been that way for a while. I remember one of my favorite shows was Boston Legal, and they were blatantly advocating to vote for Obama back in 2008. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, just flat out saying, I think they mentioned his name. And they were just saying, you know, vote for him. <laughs> He's going to vote. No, oh, they vote probably were. Oh, it was just so much. It was, uh, it was it, they were so obvious. I mean, um, you know, I know somebody who was in a union who even before, you know, while we was in the primary, they were pushing Obama. And through my understanding, you know, the unions weren't supposed to support any particular candidate, mm-hmm. at, at least during a primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, when Sidney could attest how the Republicans' uh, leadership was actually giving money to uh, to Romney before it was even time for them to do that. So mm-hmm. I really can't stand that. So let's bring uh, go ahead, since we brought up Cindy. First, let's uh, check uh, Kelly's mic. Is, is Kelly's going to be able to get louder for us? I guess not. Kelly? Yeah, is this any better? Oh, it is better. You can mute. Okay. Okay. There we go. Okay, go ahead, Kelly. Let's see what we can do here. Well, I want to talk a little bit about our nation's history. And, well, maybe start from the present. Alito was the only one who got a right about gay rights. So that's, that's up to the state. I've been saying that for a long time. And... Looks like Kentucky, along about was it 38 states or so, said, you know, look, uh, marriage is defined as one man, one woman. And now Bevins, as governor, if he becomes governor, will be in a position of, what is he going to do with this issue? Uh, of course, there's a federal judge involved. I mean, this is really getting interesting because you have people on the left that want to take control of everybody's lives and their social lives, even to the federal government to attain their agenda. The biggest problem we have here is the federal government, once they're in the door of our bedroom, then the federal government can dictate to infinity because we all have all sorts of infinite social choices on an everyday basis. The founding fathers never, ever intended this. The founding fathers, with education and the states, respected the rights of the states to make their own laws. And, of course, you know, when something uh, like trade, for example, went between state lines, the feds would get involved. That was the original design. That was the original intent. It never intended to have a big federal government that controls the education. Our education system started basically in townships, which was, um, what, six, uh, 36 sections. And then the townships, uh, county-wide school, then went to state school, then went to federally funded schools. And this whole system is backwards the way it was intended because with all these locales, you had the people deciding amongst themselves what their laws should and shouldn't be defended by the state, 
And now, you know, the progressives, the liberal socialists who want absolute control of our lives have gone everything federalized, and they're taking money from us and giving us money back with grants, but only if we um, agree to their clauses. Wait a minute. It was our money first. This whole thing is so fast backwards. It's just ridiculous. Beyond frustrating. Sammy, I got you back on the line. Would you like to make any comment on that? I think um, you went. I'm, there you I, go. Right. Well, she she I used had, her mic and then she unmutes it for us. <laughs> well, I had a go couple ahead, of things. I, I had a couple of things I was <clears throat> researching, um, and and I'm I'm <clears throat> excuse me. I want to read you something first of all. Um, uh, Thomas Jefferson was very concerned about the amount of power that the the judicial judiciary people were saying you know I, I'm all tongue-tied anyway people were saying uh, that they had all this this power that they, they that Jefferson and, and the rest of the founders figure out where that was coming from, but um, what he said was, Jefferson wrote to a, a man named William Jarvis, uh, September 28th of 1820, and this is what he said. You seem to consider that the judges are a ultimate, excuse me, hang on. You seem to consider the judges as the ultimate arbitrators of all constitutional questions, a very dangerous doctrine indeed and one which would place us under the despotism of an oligarchy. Our judges are as honest as other men, and not more so. And their power is the more dangerous, as they are in office for life, and not responsible, as the other functionaries are, to the elected control. Mm-hmm. The, con- has the, the Constitution has erected no such single tribunal, knowing that to whatever hands confided, corruptions of time and party, its members would become despots. And basically that is what we have right now. The members of the Supreme Court have become despots. And they have gone mm-hmm. into law making. When you have people seriously making the comment, well, the Supreme Court made the decision, so now it's the law of the land. Since yeah, when? nine people... The rollover of the rest of America. Right. And since when are those nine men given any power in the Constitution to write law? If there was something wrong that wasn't clear enough in the law, then they needed to kick that back to the states and let the states clarify it for themselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. The and, problem and is, state, okay. Mm-hmm. And each state has, has the total right and under... Um, Hang on now. I was just getting this one out for you, too, because, um, hang on. Uh, I think I've got the wrong book here. Uh, Go ahead and talk, because I'm going to find something else for you. Go ahead, Joe. You're willing to chime in? Well, I'm a person who believes in a very, very small government, because as is obvious today, you give the federal government the power, and I disagree with Kelly about what the founding fathers' intentions were. Alexander Hamilton and um, James Madison were people who wanted practically a monarchy. 
Um, so uh, you can't say the founding fathers at large um, were actually people who had our best interests at heart, especially when the Bill of Rights <clears throat> became part of the Constitution a year and a half later, and there was much debate over that. And there would have not would not have been a Constitution if the Bill of Rights would not have been ratified at that particular time, so the story goes. But in any case, if we take a look at our surroundings today in modern times, we see that the government has stretched out its tentacles in every nook and cranny of our lives because we have been taught through public school that the government is our protector, our mentor, our daddy. And when we've grown up under those conditions, we believe it, just like we believed in Santa Claus at one time. I personally believe in a government in which the primary responsibility is to defend our borders <coughs> and to help protect us from a corrupt uh, judiciary, if that's possible. But with six million laws on the books and I don't know how many agencies, and you give the president the power to appoint his delegates to I don't know how many posts. I, I took a look at um, the encyclopedia online and found that he can make something like over a hundred appointments. <clears throat> That's practically the same as having a monarchy. And if people remember, Holder was an appointment by Obama uh, to be the Attorney General of the United States and the other SARS, which were appointed by the President. And even though the liberals have done their damage to the country, we can't forget that the Republicans have done their particular share of damage as well, more than just letting the liberals mm, take control at times. So the government should be reduced to a very, very, very small entity and allow us, who have brains, who have in our native wits about us, to decide our lives for ourselves without anybody else, strangers, deciding whether it's a nine, whether it's a seven-man, two-woman Supreme Court, or whether it's 435 assholes in Congress deciding what's good for us. Keep, I want everybody out of my life so that I can do what I want to do as long as I don't encroach upon the same rights as another person. To me, life is very simple, and people just love to have convoluted situations and problems. And um, I think we'd be all better off if we were just plain true libertarians or anarcho-capitalists. And that way we can get back to just leading our lives the way we want to lead them, through mutual consent, without having to go to our jailers, <clears throat> which is what the government is, and having them say, yes, Mr. Jones, Mr. Davis, Mr. Smith, you can do that, or no, you're not allowed to do that. I say, um, can I curse on your show, because I'm in the mood to curse Bart, no, I'll just say, I'll say fuck you to the government. Well, because well, watch it. We don't do that, Fonzo. Not that show. kind of cursing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, not on this one. <laughs> All right. No, no. But uh, well, when we when first started 2012, I had to do that, uh, say that a lot. But uh, I'm, I'm thinking as closer we get to the election, I may have to say that some more. Uh, okay. So, Cindy, uh, Kelly, since uh, your name was invoked earlier, uh, was something that. Uh, he said, where he disagreed yeah. with the point on you, Kelly. Would you like to uh, get a rebuttal on that or answer to that? Well, I, I sure would. Um, so Hamilton, Madison, you forgot one, John Jay, they heavily believe in a strong central, central government. However, 
Thomas Jefferson and many others favored um, a small federal government. In fact, um, yeah, you're right, the Constitution was ratified, and then came along the Bill of Rights. In fact, uh, Madison introduced the Bill of Rights. Uh, people were screaming beforehand, hey, 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 what about the Bill of Rights? Oh, whoops, sorry about that, guys. We'll get that right out to you. And they did in the first session of Congress. And even some states would not, um, see, there's a, a process, ratify the Constitution, then you could join the Union if you wanted to. Virginia held out until the Bill of Rights uh, was ratified before they actually joined the Union. Until then, they were their own sovereign state. So, um, and the only power given to the federal government was that in the Constitution, Article 9 and 10, put a lid on it. And so what we've had, and I agree with you, government stay the F out of my life, um, we are in dire waters because the federal government has too much power. And from the trickle-down theory of, well, you know, some cops are saying, why follow the Constitution? Obama isn't. We cannot respect the rule of law. We're going to get even more and more hurt as, as time goes on here. So I agree with you in some sense. In other sense, uh, citing only uh, Hamilton, Jay, and Madison, who were strong uh, centralists, um, there was a different thinking amongst the states. And so the progressives have worked very hard, and some corporatists on the right, they both have worked very hard to centralize uh, the federal government with more power for their own gain, be it profit or the socialist agenda. In either way, I would call statism. Um, you know, laissez-faire, I don't think it's like uh, lobbyists where corporations would, would pass legislation forcing the sale of their product, example, safety products. Um, it's just something has got to change. And well, I, yeah. I hope, mm -hmm. Yeah, those 435 uh, beep, uh, sons of beep, you know, I, I would hope we would get better people in there that would get less government and get out of our lives. Well, I have a, a solution for that, but then again, I'm going to have to put a disclaimer on the solution because a solution without a true strategy to actually implement the solution is not a solution. But I agree with you, Kelly, about if we can get rid of them. We need to get rid of the cancer, but we can't do it piecemeal. We have to do it by cleaning out the closet wholesale. All 435 people have to go. And I say the solution is is just everybody in America, those who want to vote, a lot of people have given up voting, but those who want to vote, those who want to take mm -hmm. advantage of that particular right, everybody just vote for an independent. You don't even have to know who he or she is because anybody who's an independent in today's times, they're being an independent because they're not a career politician, at least not yet. Who they are, they're somebody outside of the mainstream. They're not people who are seeking the approval of Republicans nor the Democrats. They're trying to change the system. And I'm going to assume they're going to be more honest than the normal Republican who is approved by the, by the RNC and the normal Democrat approved by the DNC. So if you just vote for a stranger who's in an independent party, if we can have a clean sweep of all 435 people being replaced by 435 independents, you'll have chaos for a minute, and then they'll settle down and start to abide by what they believe the Constitution means. And they'll have a, a better opinion of it than, the, than, let's call the Republicans and Democrats who they actually are. They are the puppets of lobbyists. They're not there for our benefit. They're there for money underneath the table and to 
accomplish the agenda of their masters. When you take a look at the net wealth and how it's grown over the years of the people in Congress, then people should stop trying to pay attention to the so-called inequality by theft of CEOs versus those of the common worker and take a look at the, at the net wealth of uh, the Congress people who mm-hmm. have grown by millions of dollars. And you have to ask yourself, when these people have no time except to do campaigning and to do speeches and to say and to have these little um, congressional panels and committees, how are they accumulating all this wealth? <laughs> no one, they're not. Uh, don't have to abide by the uh, insider trading laws like ah, we do. Ah, there you go. That's right. So. Oh, Kelly, you went almost dead again. <laughs> Your phone's got a headache. <laughs> I'm a registered libertarian to uh, national and in, uh, two state convention, Libertarian Party. Well, I'm a libertarian, but I wish the you know I, I happen to think the Libertarian Party has got to be infiltrated by somebody other than libertarians because they've been around since the '70s and they haven't done a damn good job at all, outside of Harry Brown and um, Ron Paul to really push forth their agenda upon uh, the American people. So, hmm. Yeah, Harry Brown's book was stunning. Liberty oh, Age is great. awesome book. The one, Why Government Doesn't Work, or another one? Well, one of them said, uh, so the federal government should be the end-all, be-all. Well, what if uh, religious folks take complete control over and implement God's law? Well, right. next... Satan and his followers can get his people in, and then what? We have at the federal level Satan's law. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, he nailed it. Well, Harry Brown was great. He wrote very simply. Um, he didn't write for his ego. He wrote so that people could understand in two seconds what the hell he was talking about, <laughs> which was great. He was known for that. And Ron Paul and Harry Brown knew each other well. And um, unfortunately, Harry Brown didn't get in. And the thing is, is that people believe that the government, because we've been taught this now, our brain is so pliable. We are the we are the the epitome of 1984. People can hold two mutually exclusive thoughts in their head at the same time. Know that each thought is mutually exclusive to the other, and yet they will think that either one. Or both are true. That is how pliable our brain is. Okay? So it's amazing because of our confirmation bias that we always see things through the prisms of our own past experiences. And we don't really use a lot of logic. Because if we did, you know, we'd be like the Vulcans. We'd actually accomplish something. There you go. Oh, is, uh, is there another Star Trek fan here on the show tonight? <laughs> well, yeah, in a way, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not that much of a fan. I'm not a Trekkie, but yeah, I do like. Oh, well, uh, I am Trekkie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, but we do got a couple more uh, clips to do. We only have about 11 minutes of the live portion. However, we will go into our extended period. And what I mean by the live portion is that uh, the extended period, which will last another hour beyond this, is that it will be a part of the archive. However, you will not be able to listen to the show live. 
to if you want to listen to it or be a part of the uh, extended period, which sometimes we lovingly call Bard's Logic After Dark, then give us a call at 347-945-7428. I do see some callers on who are just listening on the call. Uh, if you'd like to chime in, just push the 1 on your number dial. If not, uh, we still do appreciate uh, you coming to the show. And if you are listening and you are a Twitter user, just uh, get in your feed and uh, put in the title and the link uh, to the show. And uh, if you can't, put the hash, hashtag PJNets in there and uh, tweet that out to your followers so they can get the uh, link and know about the show themselves. And perhaps uh, they can share it as well to uh, hear you on air. Uh, so give us a call at 347-945-7428. I do see someone else who would uh, like to chime in. And so what we're going to do is we're going to uh, let the, get the person in the call, and then we'll bring it over to the audio clips. And so let's go ahead and hear from Eric 208. Thank you very much for coming to the show. Who am I speaking with tonight? Uh, Susan. Oh, hi, Susan. How are you? Hi, fine. Hi, Susan. Hi, great. Good to hear from you. Hi. I'm glad you I got yeah. here late because I was out and uh, shopping and stuff, so... I saw it, and I go, oh, I'm late. <laughs> so, so I'm glad um, that you've joined the dating show, Susan. Uh, I'm an eligible bachelor, so go ahead. Ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll remember that. Well, there we go. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So I understood that this was about Tim, the one who refused to issue the – that's what I saw on the description, Right. Correct. Yeah, that, that's one of the we are talking about the Kim Davis uh, uh, issue. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, there's two ways of looking at this, and you know me, I always come at it from the third side of the triangle. Um, so there is the government worker versus the private worker. Now, government, if you're hired by, there's different rules or standards or whatever. And private is something else. Now, I can answer to the private part where um, I hope it doesn't go as far when a Catholic clerk at a store says, go to aisle 9, I can't sell you this condom. It's against my religion. Or a Muslim clerk says, go to aisle 10, I can't sell you this hand because it's against my religion. Or you have to go to aisle 8 because I can't sell you this beer. It's against my religion. People go beyond the bounds of common sense. Now, I understand why she did this. But it could open a kettle of crazy fish. And um, one of the guys made a comment on my thing, and I said, you have a point. If you're stranded along the road, a flood sweeps everything away. Your husband's out of work. You need help. You refuse that help if the person is gay, Jewish, Muslim, handicapped, black, or Indian. Most would not. You can't have it both ways. Consistency is what we need, and most don't have that. Uh, I don't think him should have been put in jail. But would she have been so quick to refuse help from that same gay couple if she was desperate for food or stranded on the road? I would expect her to do that, to refuse that help, if she really is going to stick to her principles. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. Well, unless we actually get the opportunity to have her on the show, uh, which, uh, you know, we'll be working on, and now that she's out... Uh, of jail, you know, I'd definitely like to hear that. Perhaps there could be some questions uh, we can ask her uh, on that. You know, that would be it would be interesting. 
Yes, I, yeah, I maybe she was. I, I mean, per, he is a I, government. He is a government worker that can be a little different than in the private sector. But if I'm in the private sector and I start saying, "Well, I can't do this for you, and I can't do that for you," and then I turn around and I need to go to the food bank, and that person I recognize them, I and they were Muslim or gay or something else, and I said, "Well, am I going to refuse that free food if I needed it for my children because of?" They, who they were, and would they want to serve me because I, I took the stand against them. You know, there's, you've got to come at it from the common sense. you got to look at it. You can't just go by your emotions and your feelings and your blah, blah, blah. Now, for example, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and I don't eat pork or unclean meat. But if I worked in the grocery store, I certainly would have no problem selling it. They have a right, this is a free country, to buy that food. And I'm not going to sit there and tell them they can't or send them to a different aisle just because they have one item out of 35 that I don't would never eat myself. So you know what I'm saying? Or? I thought Kelly was making a comment. And it sounds like we've got a couple... Uh, you're, you're sounding a little muffled too, Susan. Not a lot, but not not nearly as much as uh, as Kelly's. But <laughs> a little muffled. Yeah, I'm having um, trouble. I'm having trouble getting a lot of her words. Slow okay. down a little, Susan. Oh. <laughs> what? Slow down a little. <laughs> slow down. Well, I slow down. Okay, maybe. Oh, my volume wasn't up. I apologize. I That's said okay. as an Adventist. If I'm working in a store, I can't turn around and tell people, I won't sell you that ham because I don't eat it in my face. Let me ask you this, though. What if it was um, against your religion to even touch that meat? Would you pick it up and sell it to them? Well, normally that would require me to be a butcher, if it's, and, and usually you sell it by wrapping it. It has to be wrapped. Right. Well, so I don't think... Well, for for a Muslim, it's the same thing. Um, but now here's what you do. You don't get a job in a grocery store in a butcher where you're going to be handling pork. And and in her right. case, and in her case, uh, if she had had a, a thing a, a, against it, she wouldn't have um, gotten the job. In fact, she has stated that if she had known she was going to have to sign marriage licenses, she would not have run for re-election this year. You know, she's had... Uh, she's been in there for 22 years in the clerk's office and have never had to do that before. Plus, also remember, she's a new Christian. This is this is a new right. um, uh, area of, of her life. They, you know, they all condemn her because she's had divorces, but that was before she was a Christian and she had no qualms about divorce at that time. And uh, and, mm-hmm. and it may be uh, if if gay marriages had come along before uh, she um, became a Christian, she might have uh, signed some marriage licenses. And then at the point where she became a Christian, if that was against her conscience, she probably would have just resigned, um, or at least didn't run again. You, you and still so, can, I suppose. But here's the, here's the whole thing, though. You have to go back to the beginning, and you have to say, what in the heck is the government doing in the marriage business anyway. That has always been... I, I agree Bingo. on that. The, the, the church is... That's a balance, uh, yeah. Bingo. 
Well, here's here's the here's the way it is. This is what it says in Amendment Ten of the Bill of Rights. It says powers, <coughs> excuse me, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved yeah. are reserved to mm-hmm. the states, respectively, or to the people. So what what we're saying here is there's nothing in the Constitution about marriage. And so why in the heck is the federal government even involved in it? Why is the judicial branch even having anything to say about this? Why is this coming before the If the states want to make a law against something or for something, it's up to them to do it. And because of Article <laughs> 1, Section 8. And I agree with that. Clause. And I wrote a blog article on, on how this is a slippery slope to begin with. We have people marrying bridges, walls. One married is, I've got the whole list of it in the blog, pillow, married is pillow. Another lady married her horse. Uh, one married <laughs> her pickup truck, and she said, hey, the truck for the truck is the best I've ever had. And I'm like, what the? Sorry. Okay, that word shouldn't be, it's not like a swear word. It is a word we use. Hey, you know, I mean, and we now they're going to have. say sex, right? Okay, good. Yes. We said sex? That's Yes, I oh yeah, we could say yeah, we could say sex on this. Yeah, we could say sex on this show. We talk about sex all the time on this show. This is the Bar's Logic After Dark sex show. Now go ahead, I digress. It's not even Bar's Logic After Dark yet. I even talked about sexually transmitted diseases earlier. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. see, we even talked about the great saying. stuff. Yeah. We have people now going to push for uh, the marriage where you have three or four wives. I, I think we should have three or four husbands, actually. But um, and we have uh, we have pedophiles. Uh, Everybody's going to want to be legalized, and that's I don't, want, I don't even want the husband I want, let alone two more of them. <laughs> no way. Hey, wow! She did come on the show to date. <laughs> Well, there you go, Susan. Meet John. <laughs> Joe, not John. John. Yeah, Joe. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Joe. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> the thing is, uh, everybody's right if they're agreeing about the government should stay out of our lives, especially when it comes yeah. to well, everything, marriage included. Because look at what the government's doing. You, myself, and everybody else should not have to be forced to go to strangers to say, "May I please marry this particular person?" Okay. Or an eminent object, as it sounds from Susan. But you also should not be able to force somebody into marrying you that doesn't want to marry you. Well, that's true. And, and yeah. you know, I, my brother-in-law is a preacher. He's a Baptist preacher. I will. He will my, even he will even turn down heterosexual couples if he thinks that they're not really serious or there's something wrong here. The, the reasons for getting married are wrong or well, whatever. Well, he's going to jail in the future. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It, that could be. That could be. But I so. understand your point. People should have the right within their own particular environment, uh, within their own club, to impose the rules that other people will agree to abide by. I did not agree to okay. these particular yeah, I did not agree to these particular rules, regardless of whether it's constitutionally founded or not. I happen to think I could have written a better constitution. I mentioned a few seconds, a few minutes ago, about Article One, Section Eight, General Welfare Clause. From what I understand, 90% of the laws passed by Congress have to deal and accommodate the Article One, Section Eight, and the Commerce Clause. Okay, because it gives it's such an ambiguous clause, and this is something that the Anti-Federalists 
uh, raved against, that railed against. Uh, I think his name was Bruto or Brutus, okay? And he, uh, and this particular anti-federalist had written at the time, okay, when he was living during the same time as Jefferson and Madison et al., about what would happen if you left that clause in. Because they knew about weasel clauses, they knew about how things can, uh, can progress from even a good intention to be bastardized into something which is a cancerous growth. Mm-hmm. So the government is taking advantage of that because we allow it and because they brainwash us into allowing it. And, and make no mistake about it, when you go to public school or even private school, you are being brainwashed. <clears throat> you are being told what to do by, by, by authority figures. And when you're that pliable as a youngster, you will obey either subconsciously or consciously what is being told to you, especially if you embrace those particular philosophies as something which is going to benefit you. So we've all been brainwashing conditioned to accept the government, just as we've, we believe that Santa Claus existed until our mothers and fathers told us, uh-uh, no fat guy coming down the chimney. Oh, you're so, wrong about this that. This is the family show, Joe. Joe, you can't, you can't say there's no Santa Claus on this show. Oh, God damn it. Oh, no. And he's, and he's wrong about that. I figured it out on my yeah. own. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I still believe in the, the tooth fairy, too, because I, I, I believe oh, in fairies. But, but, um, but one thing I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play a short, I'm gonna play a short, I, no, I do, I really do, I'm a druid, come on, we believe in fairies. Uh, but I'm gonna play a little clip where you guys were saying earlier about, you know, marrying this, marrying that. And so I have to play, I have to play this clip and remind me, it's an old clip I had back in 2012, um, that I have to play it, because you're reminding me, uh, you're reminding me of this clip. A little history. I, I, I was born and raised here. I love this state. It seems right here. Trees are the right height. I love carpet. Uh, I like uh, I like seeing the uh, I like seeing the lakes. I love the lake. Just something very special here. The Great Lakes, but also all the little inland lakes that that dot the uh, uh, the, the parts of Michigan. Um, I love that Romney. Ask Rick. Are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love my. I love cars. I don't know. I mean, I, I grew up totally in love with cars. I, it used to be in the 50s and 60s, if you showed me one square foot of almost any part of a car, I could tell you what brand it was, the model, and so forth. Now, now with all the Japanese cars, I'm not quite so good at it, but I still know the American cars pretty well. Do you really love the lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it? I love lamp. I love lamp. I love I love cars. I love American cars. And long may they rule the world, let me tell you. I want to do well. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I think that was probably from one of the, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the movie. Uh, but it was the same guy played in uh, The Office or something like that, TV show. Oh, that guy? He also yeah. played in uh, 40 Year Old Virgin, Speaking of Sex. And then, um, oh, it was uh, some kind of TV show. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a movie. It was a, a movie about an anchor. Anchorman, that's what it was from. Yeah, I think it yeah, it's awesome. Oh, is that you back, Kelly? Yeah, I'm back. By the way, we were talking about ham. And just to let you know, I come from a lot of hot dogs. Ham? You're a ham? Well, yeah, ham and ham. I love ham. Yeah. Well, I come from, I come from a long line of Jewish hot dogs. I love, I love, I just love pork. I love bacon. I like ham. I like pulled pork. I like. 
Oh, pork, 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 pork. I'm just love pork. I, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just can't help. Yeah, I, I want to talk about sex. My, sex, my sexual preference is often, but that's why I'm really yeah. thankful we are for in the, the We are in Bards Loves Against After Dark. Go ahead. I know. Well, that's why I like the 19th Amendment. You know, I've the amendment has been my favorite lately. Because, you know, that's the amendment that you can vote, um, you know, women's suffrage, and you can vote regardless of sex. And therefore, in my many years of involuntary celibacy, I can still vote. So, that's why I like that. Oh, Kelly. <laughs> Did he say voluntary celibacy? What's that? Involuntary celibacy. The wife left. I so. don't know. Voluntary celibacy. celibacy advocacy. Yeah. Oh, he's breaking up a little bit. We're getting kind of crazy here. All right. Involuntary celibacy. Involuntary, involuntary celibacy. Yeah, I would think that it would have to be. Yeah, because that, that, that's most of us. <laughs> That's most, I see. Indeed. You know, I mean, but anyway, let me go would... ahead and play a few clips here, and then uh, we'll get back on topic, and then maybe we'll talk more about sex. We'll see. Uh, since we are in charge of watching after dark, but first, oh, let's uh, go ahead and let, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, play some very, and they are very short. When I mean very short, I just mean around seconds. And boy, that really could have been put out there wrong. But anyway, let's go ahead and listen to some clips on some of the reactions on some of the candidates on uh, what's happening in Rowan County, Kentucky. And first, we'll hear from our beloved, and I'm saying that thing in cheek, of course, um, Mr. Bush. Uh, sworn to uphold the law. And it seems to me that there ought to be common ground. There ought to be big enough space for, for her to act on her conscience and for uh, now that the law is the law of the land. I'm a... So basically, uh, and I had Trump's comment too, I just, I, I must not have downloaded that audio. Uh, I guess There's I'll that just law say of the land again. There's that law of the land yeah, again. Yeah, that was Jeb Bush. Yeah, see, these people don't, they're driving me crazy with that. The Supreme Court does not make law. And, and uh, the thing Trump said was basically that she was uh, she shouldn't have went to the job or something like that. Um, well, she's not in the right job. That's what Trump, that's what Trump. That's all Trump said was, well, she's not in the right job. Uh, you know, and obviously he's not. Well, that's what um, Dershowitz said, um, and that's not exactly um, um, a, tr- a true, truly good argument because Dershowitz has a lawyer. His job is to protect the law, is to make sure that everybody abides by the law, regardless of whether the law is good or not. I happen to applaud people who do follow their conscience, because um, the law, anybody can make a law, and anybody who does make the law, usually nowadays, are they or are they not being bribed by lobbyists who have their particular selfish agenda at hand? So the law means that you have to follow what, <coughs> excuse me, what other people are telling you to do, regardless of whether it's in your best interest or not. So I'm not one who favors the law simply because it's the rule of law. Okay, anybody can wake yep. up now. Yeah. Well, I, well, I no, we're listening intently to you. Uh, I think oh. <laughs> we do need to have a we do we do need to have a rule of law. I mean, when we make a law, it needs to be enforced. I mean, we got so many laws no, we don't. right now that are absolutely ridiculous because absolutely. there's no <laughs> yeah, one out there to, 
force them. There's there's no one even enforcing them to begin with. So like I'm I'm on the uh, I'm not on the board anymore, but I'm the secretary for the Volusia Soil and Water Conservation District here in in uh, my county. We were just we just had a meeting tonight, and <clears throat> we're sitting there talking about um, putting a referendum on the 2016 ballot that requires our uh, our um, water utilities. Uh, people to uh, prove the safety of all the the ingredients that they're adding into our water, um, and and that nothing should be added until it has been proven safe. And then we're all sitting around there going like, okay, what if this referendum passes? Who's going to enforce this law? Who's going to go to the to the water company and say? Um, you know, what are you putting in here, and have you test tested the safety of that or not? You know, and it and it's it's like you try to do things that need to be done, and you can't find anybody to enforce it, and then they make laws that are stupid, and then they go and enforce them. You know, and I, I'm, you know, they if, may, if we don't, if you we may don't not have, bring, you may hmm? not have people to inspect. The uh, the companies, but if once a law is made, it's enforceable. So if somebody, a citizen, gets damaged by the company, they can sue the company because the law is on the books. They can then use that law to sue the company. Now, what, if you don't have enough inspectors to make sure that the uh, the agency can enforce the uh, the companies to do what the agency wants, that's a lack of having inspectors. That's a common uh, common occurrence in government agencies. But once the law is passed, then it's a law that can be enforced by. Well, we have an accountable. Well, we have an accountability agency here in Florida for the electric companies, but we don't have such a thing for any of the water uh, companies. <laughs> well, if you have a law that says that it's against so, the law now for the company to dump chlorine into the rivers, okay, the law's on the books. So if I get, and if my family gets contaminated by the chlorine. And because you don't have an accountability agency, that's not going to preclude me from suing the company. Once we get to court, and either the jury or the judge will, uh, will see, okay, here's a law in the books. You violated that law. You will have to pay the price. Okay, well, what citizens will have access to that kind of information, though? What What is safe for them to drink and, and what is not? Consumer reports, what for is, one thing. What is, uh, I mean, there's drugs in our water. There, there are drugs that we have not been prescribed for that are prescription drugs that are in, mm-hmm. yeah, there's plenty of, in our water. Yeah, there's plenty of so, pollutants and contaminants in the water, and there's you know, a website um, set up by citizens to to do, if not precisely that, to, take, to be a watchdog um, on its own without government approval or sanctions or funding to do that. Citizens will do it on their own. When you have a capitalist system, not crony capitalism, but a capitalist system, where you're allowed to do what you want to do, including protection of your own self-interest as well as the uh, self-interest of others, that's what will happen. Consumer Reports will get around to doing it. Consumer Union will get around to doing it. And other watchdogs <coughs> will get around to doing it. And they've been doing it for years. Well, all I know is we've got a whole lot of books, uh, laws on the books that need to be purged, and we've got a whole lot well, of I agree with you on that. laws yeah. that... <laughs> can't get on the books that need to be on the books. Six, as far as I know, there's six million laws on the books. Six million. Is that all? Is that yeah, all? Because I, uh, I think there's more. 
Yeah. And speaking of, and actually, Susan, you got something uh, that you're working on with uh, with water, are you not? Yes, I really want to bring it to the yeah. show. Uh, well, on the you you said I was to talk about that on the twenty third, uh, which I need to get with you on how to do that and when to come in and what to do and. But yes, the rainwater situation, the the rules and uh, where arresting people and fining people for collecting rain, yeah. um, you know, and and he's laughing. <laughs> laughing. No, I'm agreeing. I'm um, I, I'm somewhat familiar with some cases like that. It's stupid. That's why I'm laughing. Yeah, I mean, when is it going to be yeah, my we'll... dog bowl? My dog bowl's outside, and it you drops fall in, they're going to arrest my dog for drinking that water. I mean, you know, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Speaking of purging... When it it comes to protection, I mean, when you say laws on the books, we are having to, you know, and Raw Labrador, he's my representative, and he said he voted against the labeling GMOs on, you know... GMOs? Yes. And I am probably against GMOs in Monsanto, and... um, I called him twice, and I've given him heck. I mean, usually he votes for yeah, and I said, you want to protect small businesses so you don't want to enforce big government on them. But I said, here's the problem. Most of them are uh, the, the, the cereal companies, you know, Kellogg's and all of them. They're not tiny. They're huge corporations. They're already putting labels on. They, I have a, You need to protect me, the individual, not the big corporation. I have a right to know what I am buying. That is a law we need. Well, here's the problem. Everybody feels that the government has to intervene with their own particular agenda. Now, I happen to agree also that we should have the right to be able to view a label and see that the GMO is either there or not there and correctly labeled. There are some companies, I think Kellogg's you mentioned, um, well, companies have been caught, I believe, not labeling a particular product, even though they said that they would. I don't think any company in America right now has to be forced to do that. But mm-hmm. even no, if it's no. not, yeah, even if it's not forced by law, there will be people who will who will tell us this particular company has these ingredients in their particular cereal or food. Watch out for them. It's already being done. Let me tell you though something about GMOs. They are so pervasive, it would be almost impossible um, to figure out which ones did and which ones didn't without some help from some uh, entity which can can, uh, tell us. Yeah, that's there. That's that's already in place. Eighty percent of what we eat uh, is GMO-filled. Eighty percent of the crap that's on the supermarket shelves is full of GMO. Yes, right. Yes. Well, I have just. Yeah, in my opinion, the government needs to protect us because, in a way, that's a slow death, which is murder. And the government has to stay death. out of it. I wish, I wish everybody here would realize how pervasive the government and insidious the government is, and making you believe that the government is the pro is the solution. They're the problem. You're asking your jailers, literally, well, not literally, but figuratively, your jailers to help you out when their agenda is not to help you out. I don't blame you for wanting to go to government. I was the same way until a few years ago. But the thing is, when you take a look at the history of what the government has done to our own citizens, okay, then you do not want the government in your life 
period. But should the government be there to protect us? To a degree. But not to the degree where everybody wants the government to be, um, to be in every situation, because the government is not going to act the way that you want it to. No, they never do. They don't. That's the whole thing. But yet they keep grabbing power, and they keep doing doublespeak, and they keep influencing. Do you know how stupid Americans are? Do we or do we not keep voting back in the Democrats and the Republicans, which are the same, which are the two different wings of the same buzzard? Mm-hmm. We're yeah, I, I agree. I vote for a man, not a party. Well, that's the way it should be. Because yeah, and that's why I didn't vote for either Obama or uh, or Romney in uh, 2004. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't either. I voted Gary Johnson. No one can blame yeah, me. Yeah, there you go, libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Virgil, Virgil Goo here, the Constitution Party. Good, good. We've uh, yeah, exactly. You know, we interviewed him a few times on the show. But then, speaking of presidential candidates and and purging, let's go ahead and uh, get the last of those clips that I've got uh, on some of the brief comments about the situation. And uh, let's go ahead and move over to uh, our friend Chris Christie. Yeah. This woman is to move her to another job where this is not an objection for her because you have to follow the law. She is. You have to follow the law. She should get a new job. Well, that's I kind of agree with that, but it should at least pay her the same amount of money. That's what I think. Well, I mean, look, we could also ask Joshua. Suppose there was a law in the books that um, you couldn't serve, uh, that you were not allowed to serve Jews. He's Jewish. And this woman was going to serve Jews because she believed that it was okay to serve Jews. Now, the law says you're not allowed to serve Jews, okay? So she could quit, okay, and, and undergo personal hardship as a result of quitting, or she could obey the law, which goes back to my premise. Just, and I hate that expression, rule of law. It has a subliminal effect on people. It makes people believe you should be ruled by other people. And I'm against it. How about governance by law? which is my own particular statement. And law in and of itself is not the be-all of everything. A law is nothing more than the rule and a guideline set down by people with guns who are influenced by lobbyists who are nothing more than legalized bribers. And just because they're out there in plain sight doesn't mean that they're not bribers. They're carpetbaggers who carry their briefcases with them to a meeting Pass the briefcase under the table to the uh, to the politician, and I'm sorry, Susan, you can talk to your politician till you're blue in the face. He's not going to do crap of what you want. Well, I don't know. Mr. McConnell probably didn't like my little call when I said that he had a pair of puffy cotton ones and I wanted to send him a pair of brass balls. Well, okay, but he he still doesn't <laughs> care. <laughs> uh, you're not paying. Are you paying him any money? No. So why should he care about what you want? Well, he probably doesn't. I'm not in his state, but I still let him know what I thought. Okay, they don't yeah, get a lot so of calls you vented. <laughs> you vented, but he's still getting reelected by the idiots who elected him the first time. Oh, yes, there's a lot of them out there. I agree. You know, and we should get away from that. We should start thinking for ourselves and get away from being on the government teat. I didn't say what you thought I said, Bart. No, we heard you. Okay. 
and we should start doing that, and we would be better off. So what about the people who can't make it would be the next logical question. Well, we have philanthropic institutions. Americans spend something like a trillion dollars a year on philanthropy. Uh, without the government, there would be even more philanthropy, I believe, because it would be a vacuum that would be needed to be filled. Taxes would go down. The economy would go back to something hopefully representing what was um, present in the 50s. Uh, there would be more people employed, and the more people who are employed, the happier they are. Now, one issue I would like to talk about sometime in the future on your show, Bart, would be immigration, because I am anti-immigrant, regardless of whether they're illegal or even legal. That's, that's one of the things I liked about Virgil Goodis. He was talking about putting a moratorium on all uh, immigration, including legal, until we got our uh, unemployment down to 4% or something like that, 4 or 5%. 4% is a government there's a government figure, which is nothing more than a smoke and mirrors. You can actually go to the bureau, to the uh, to the website. I think it's the Bureau of Statistics, the Labor Bureau, and they'll show mm-hmm. you that their particular statistic, which they don't print uh, for the public consumption, but it's there on the site. Something like twelve percent, thirteen percent. And if you go to a website, I forget the name of it. It could could be called Honest Statistics. I forget. But the real unemployment rate is something like sixteen percent in the country. 94 million oh, people yeah. you know, are out of work. 94 million out of 310 million. And you can't count 310 million as being just 310 million because many of that 310 million are children, so you can't count them as being of working right. age. So when you say 94 million mm-hmm. out of maybe 250, let's say, who are eligible for work, that's almost one-third. So that's a lot of people out of work, a lot of people not working, and a lot of people either collecting unemployment or not collecting unemployment. Either way, it's horrible. If you're collecting mm-hmm. unemployment, you're taking money out of Jones's pocket to pay Smitty. Yeah. So well, these people who have gotten unemployment paid into it for a while. No, I mean you do pay into unemployment, but I doubt if anybody pays into it the amount of money that they get out of it. If you're on unemployment for a year, a year and a half, I think you get more out of it than you paid into it. It depends how long you've been working. I would venture. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've been working uh, like I, twenty years. Yeah, oh, ten, let's say ten years. Well, yeah. Well, case in point, I was. Uh, I gosh, I was working since I was fourteen years old, and three years ago. Uh, I mean, three and a half years ago, I found myself unemployed for about a year or so. It was awful. I mean, I'm like, I graduated cum laude, had a, you know, mm-hmm. double minor, graduated from a, one of the, you know, top schools in the state, and I kept get, kept hearing, you're under or overqualified, you're overqualified. So mm-hmm. I was unemployed for quite some time. Like, like oh. yeah. Yeah, and do you know that of the people who are employed, 55% of the immigrants are employed whereby, according to this particular study, something like 30% of those who are natural-born Americans who are eligible to be to be employed are employed. So more immigrants are employed than natural-born Americans. So oh, that, they, is, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and, uh, you know, look, it's, it's plain common sense. Two people cannot um, be working the same job at the same time. It's like physics. So if, a, uh, if an immigrant has a job... Then, of course, the uh, one particular person is going to say, well, they're taking jobs nobody wants. Are you full of crap? 
Yeah, I not this day and age. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got that right. When you're when you're down to your last buck or two months unemployed or past the unemployment, the last unemployment check, I don't care if you're white, black, or come from the the pre-planet Pluto, you're gonna take that job. Well, I tell you what, I even I, I remember when you know I was I was looking. I mean, I knew I was the same sounding crass, but I knew I was over overqualified for it. But I even put in my cover letter the understanding that yes, I understand that I. I knew I probably was going to get it. Maybe I'll just when I put it in there. But I'm like, you know, cause I got just got tired of hearing it. I'm like, I know I'm yeah. you know I'm overqualified, uh, but I am willing to take less pay so that I can work. You know, I'm willing to make mm-hmm. less than basically what I'm worth so that I can be working. Didn't get but, it. <laughs> but you are a finan- you're a financial heathen because the government has said. You are not allowed to take a job that doesn't pay. Let's say the minimum is ten dollars an hour. You cannot accept a job that doesn't pay you ten dollars an hour, even if the employer wants to pay you eight bucks an hour. Oh, it was it was more than minimum wage, but it was still more than yeah. what you know okay. my qualifications with experience and education. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with my experience and education, you know, it, it was you know worth a lot more than what they were paying. Mm-hmm. You know, but I was like, "Look, I'll make less just so I can be working." But yeah, that didn't it didn't happen. But anyway, uh, uh, I'm with a great right. company now. Um, uh, so, mm-hmm. no, it's a buyer's market. So, and again, with 13 million, conservatively speaking, illegal immigrants in the country, they're either stealing or they're working. Either way, they're injurious to the economy. So, I'm against immigration. Period. If we're lucky, yeah, it's it, And I can't remember who said it, but it's it's come to the point where we really don't need immigrants in our we don't uh, in the country anymore. We don't. And this flood started with uh, the good old liberal Ted Kennedy back in 1976, when he proclaimed that we should take more immigrants, not from uh, Europe anymore, but from other countries. So he and his cohorts opened up the gates, and look what happened in addition to people coming across the border. There have been, like Alex Jones has filmed Mexicans coming across the Rio Grande at a point where there are no border guards. And the people coming across the river, they're waving at them, like, hello, gringo, me arrive on your shore pretty soon. Okay, now that's a illegal... And I see it's about the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to play our last clip for the night. And this is from the Ohio Governor Kasich running for president, who I think uh, actually has a, a decent chance of getting the nominee once uh, Trump and uh, Ben Carson, who I think uh, would at this point would be better than Kasich, to be honest. Uh, I think the you know the Republican establishment and the leadership from the so-called conservative news will, you know, try to find ways to whittle those two down in order for us to get to the, uh, you know, the establishment pick. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think they, you know, one of the people they may pick is Kasich for many reasons. Well, let's go ahead and hear uh, what he had to say uh, on it, as I said, very briefly. But let's go ahead and hear it. Look, everybody's entitled to their opinion. And, you know, and I love Mike Huckabee and what he stands for. I just think there's bigger fish to fry here in terms of the issue of people understanding what what faith in God really means. What I would 
I'll tell you what, you, you mentioned earlier, Joe, and I want to get uh, start with Kelly after this, is uh, you, you mentioned earlier about Bevin and his political speak. That was beyond the pale when it comes to political speech, you know, and, and I've heard him in the debates, and, you know, he's actually the, um, you know, he, he's actually the governor of my state. He, you know, he has done some good things here. Uh, I'm not 100% behind him because I think he's more cent- uh, centric than right. Um and my gosh, you know, just he talks around things, which I don't like that either. So, mm. you know, and plus I've got a good friend of mine who's, you know, w- working for him. But, man, I mean, I just, he, he may be somebody later on I could possibly get behind. I mean, right now, the guy, I, the, I mean, right now the ticket I wouldn't mind seeing. Of course, I really would still like Duke Gingrich to uh, to throw his hat in the ring, but. Uh, I'm just don't, not thinking it now. I know there's talking about um, Biden not making a decision until the end of fall, <laughs> uh, whether he's going to get on the Democrat side. So I'm kind of hoping maybe that uh, Gingrich is kind of waiting in the wind too, but uh, I don't know. Uh, but I know when the early part of the, uh, before even Ben Carson was, you know, officially threw his hat in the ring, and announced that he was going to run. I know that he was uh, Ben Carson, one of the folks that Newt Gingrich was uh, touting as, as being uh, a good candidate. So we'll see. But anyway, unfortunately, I didn't have any. But that's one of the things that disappointed me. I didn't have any uh, clips from Ben Carson. I don't see where he's uh, even made any kind of comments. But I think oh, even more man. importantly than not hearing a Ben Con- uh, Ben Carson comment, we're going to bring it to you, uh, Kelly, and then I'm going to bring it to you, Susan. Is that uh, where was Rand Paul? I mean, he is from Kentucky, right? I mean, what, he, I mean you had Ted he's Cruz there. No, he's got no shot. You know, so you had uh, Huckabee there, mm-hmm. and you had Bevin there. And so two of the two Kentucky people, right? I mean, where was, you know, Rand Paul, Kelly? Uh, I really don't know. I didn't notice that Huckabee put together a rally for that lady. He invited Ted. He invited Ted Cruz as well. He was on Ted Cruz was on Hannity, and uh, well, how could we wouldn't let Ted Cruz talk and address the crowd? I thought that was rather interesting. Um, right, he did. Yeah, we were, right. Yeah, we were doing, um, I'm sure he wrote some position paper on it. Um, I'm not sure if I'm a Rand Paul fan yet, but uh, anyway, um, yeah, Joe had some points about immigration and stuff. I wanted to read something to you. We've had Christina Timmons on, and it's time to bring her back on again, I would hope. Um, oh, yeah, she's got a lot of messages on my voicemail, let me tell you. She's, she, uh, she'll be coming back yeah. on. Actually, I'm supposed to email her something, too. I should probably do that very soon because I'm a couple of days late on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I encourage her to write down her thoughts, what she's been finding. And uh, she did send an email. It's really stunning. I want to read this to you. And I'm seeing, and look back in history, she's correct. Immigration is up to the states, not the federal government. And you would host somebody, you're responsible if they commit a crime or steal or whatever, or you would validate them. You could go to a county judge, for example, after a couple of years for the state's immigration laws and somebody becomes a citizen. You can actually look up to your ancestry records in county courthouses. It's absolutely stunning. So anyway, they federalized it. Now, here's what she wrote. This is a couple of days ago. New English Constitutional Immigration Report, Part 4. 
Congress of the United States of America was exiled about 45 years ago by the democratically led Congress and held power for 40 years. The, majority, the major leader of that Congress was Tip O'Neill, who was Speaker of the House for 29 years. The democratically-led Congress did not want to abide by the laws of the Controller control Clause, Article 6, Clause 2, that demanded that all laws in the United States of America, down to every judge and treaties, be in the United States Constitution. The Democrats tried to get states to amend the Constitution that allowed only states to bring the only allowed states to bring immigrants and let Congress bring immigrants. Um, they wanted migrants to think they needed the U.S. Congress to migrate them. Democrats were losing American votes, so they wanted the immigrants to help win elections as we see today. In order to achieve that goal, the Democrats got the federal judges to help them exile several clauses of the United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 9, Article 6, Article 3, uh, Article 1, Article 4, and Amendments 10, 11, and 14. Then the federal court allowed the Democrats to pass unconstitutional laws to prevent the states from any involvement with immigration and allowed illegals to invade the states and collect federal entitlements that was prohibited by the Constitution. Once that was done, it amounted to an overthrow of the Constitutional Congress and an establishment of the U.S. Congressional Government. The right to sell laws in violation of the Controller Clause, Article 6, that requires that all laws be constitutional. The actions of that Congressional Government, even unto this day, is sedition. A combination of rebellion, insurrection, treason, and giving aid and comfort to enemies, as cited in Amendment 14 that punishes elected officials who swore out to the United States Constitution and failed to do so by passing laws that are unconstitutional, violating other sections, and look at the U.S. clause. The big problem for the U.S. congressional government that writes its own laws after they seceded from the U.S. Constitutional Congress is that the U.S. congressional government had no financing. Nada. They were broke and are still broke. They get their finances from the United States of America's constitutional government that they seceded from. They use the tax dollars of the American taxpayers to fund their unconstitutional agendas. America's budget deficit is because billions of dollars a day are stolen by the House Appropriations Committee, chaired by Harold Rogers, who listens to Trey Gowdy and Jeff Sessions, the chairs of the unconstitutional U.S. Immigration, U.S. Immigration Committees to allow thousands of immigrants to get American tax dollars. That was pretty stunning what she put together, at least I thought so when I first read it. She's been on the show. The states are the ones that were supposed to do this. The Dems losing votes, tricked, did their trickery, and now we're going to have a lot of... Um, Immigrants in illegal California are like, oh, yeah, we should give them an idea and let them vote. They're not even from this country. Anyway, that's common sense again there, Joe. And so we are having a serious problem, and you can see why the, Dem the Democrats are so stinking desperate because people don't like their ideas. So they've got to cheat. And it's pretty frightening. Ted Kennedy, Joe, I think you called that too. Ted Kennedy was involved in this coup d'etat too. So I don't, I don't want to get some other you know, people's thoughts on it. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like, um, yeah, it looks like we've got uh, Lost Joe. Unfortunately, it looks like his call dropped. So let's go ahead and uh, bring it back to you, Sis, and if you'd like to make any comment on any of the uh, quotes here from these presidential elections. And do you think 
that uh, candidates uh, that seem to kind of blow off the issue are doing so at their own peril? Uh, Ron Paul, according to Newsmax, which I'm sure you know who they are, uh, there's mm-hmm. one of the daily Newsmax, I guess, said he supported the county clerk from his home state for standing her ground against granting marriage licenses for same-sex couples, saying there should be room for people to exercise religious beliefs and not be told they have to do something they find morally objectionable. I've never been opposed to contacts between consenting adults, but sympathetic to the idea an individual shouldn't have to sign or give their stamp of approval that they object to. And then there was a video, of course, here. But this is on www.newsmax.com, U.S. Rand Paul, Kentucky clerk, Kim Davis. You just Google Rand Paul and Kim the clerk. Which is oh, yeah, we'll definitely check that out. Well, I'm glad, I appreciate it. Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, no problem. He's on, apparently, Rand Paul and Gay Marriage County Clerk and Trump, Donald Trump's CBS YouTube. Uh, it's on that same page, but I put that in, Rand Paul and Kim the clerk. Oh, I'm good, Dougie. And I got that. So so he was on CBS News and Newsmax interviewed him, too, apparently. Oh, okay, good. I guess I just didn't see those. Well, that's why we have you folks in the show to add uh, add in to our information, certainly. Well, I do see we only okay. got about 20 minutes, you know, 20 minutes left of the show, unbelievably. So that only gives us about 15 minutes of, um, you know, of, of time here. So let's go ahead and uh, bring things for some uh, were, closing thoughts, oh. closing comments, and then we'll get, bring it home. What, what were you going to say? Um, political Outcast had a good one on here, um, and I clicked on it, and it's um, nothing could make up a satirical story about transgender feminism be more foolish than reality. My partner came out as a man, and I struggled losing my lesbian identity. <laughs> I'm telling oh you, I've been reading it. Typical love story. Female one identifies lesbian, meets female two in college. Obsessive relationship. They get involved in drunken and rowdy gay bar scenes. It breaks up. Female one hits on another female who's female three. And she's in a lesbian relationship with someone else. They get together, get officially married. Relationship has alcoholism and self-destruction. One brings a child in the world. They get therapy for alcoholism, and female three then becomes identifies as a man. Female one is disturbed. She values as lesbianism as central to her identity and really doesn't like men, even though all along female three has a strong male side. Female one decides to stay with female three, who identifies as a man, but is insistent she is not straight. All clear on that? <laughs> Wow, it was kind of jar- garbled because you were laughing and stuff. I think. Can you uh, send I'm me like, send me a link to that on Facebook? I uh, okay. Call you to it, I guess. Yeah, I can. I'm yeah, send, yeah, send it to my... me on Facebook. I'd be interested to see that. Uh, I've, I've heard some in of my, it. Some in of my, it was kind of garbled. Group? In my group, or yeah, just send me a message. Uh, send me a link. Send me a, a message oh. on that. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, send, You're gonna get a laugh. Yeah, send me a link and a message. All right. Okay, so now let's go ahead that. and uh, let's go ahead and bring it over to you, and then um, and then we'll go from there. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, I was just I'm I'm perusing through. I'm making a list of all the um, the, the the departments, the United States Federal Executive departments that that I would get rid of. 
<laughs> and uh, <laughs> all of them. There's a bunch of them. <laughs> um, now you know the first the first few that they that they mention here, uh, and the the first few that we've had established since the 17 and 1800s are uh, very important uh, uh, executive uh, departments. However, you start getting closer, you know, once you get into the 1900s, you start looking at all these departments they added, and they have no business, the federal government has no business getting involved in these issues, uh, like the Department of Labor and uh, Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban Development, Transportation, Energy, Education, um, Homeland Security, maybe so, but that should be under the State Department or the uh, the um, uh, the Defense Department. Okay, why do they have a separate? Uh, so I'm looking at about you know five or six different departments that we really need to just get rid of um, because the, the federal government doesn't really have any any business being in these these things that we have added here since the 1950s have done nothing but cost us a lot of money and and cause us a lot of headaches and and they are the basic um uh, well you, when you look at them they they're either from uh environmentalist wackos or they're um people trying to uh what wage a war on poverty that they're never going to win, at least not through the government, um, and things things that where the government is just trying to take over our life and indoctrinate our children and indoctrinate us, and and get the whole population of this country dependent on the federal government. And if we could get rid of all of these last things here, we could get rid of uh, since 1953. If we just took just took all these out of here, um, I think our nation would return to its uh, um, original uh, stability. But anyway, um, it's been a good show. I've got to go. I have to teach school tomorrow. I haven't even taken my shower. <laughs> um, but it's it's been educational. But I tell you what... Um, Let's get some of our audience better next week, right? What we had some bad audio. We had some bad audio just, <laughs> tonight. Yeah, today, today was bad audio. Yeah, bad audio today. But anyway, um, uh, as far as Kim is concerned, uh, God will bless her for her decisions. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that even her, as uh, she as a new Christian, has uh, stuck to the principles that that she has learned, and um, uh, if if uh, if she doesn't run for clerk again next time, I certainly see why. Um, yeah, she probably won't. I wouldn't that's think been, that's been her lifelong um, occupation, so to so to speak. It's been her career, uh, so I don't know what she'll do um, other than that. So it's like. Um, no, that's you know, true. She's been doing it for a long time. What I what I'm really the most um, uh, 
I'm just I, I I'm so aggravated because these people are forcing us to accept their behavior no matter what. And they know that that's what they're doing. They don't need a marriage license. They can go and live together. They got they got um cohabitation laws all over the place where they can get uh, hospital visits with each other and they can get um, benefits uh, at their companies and all kinds of stuff is available to them. Um, for them to force us into accepting their marriages uh, is strictly because they want to rub their their sickness into our faces. And, you know, it's an unnatural thing. I'm sorry. I don't care if I'm politically incorrect or not, but it's a, uh, wow, what is that? <laughs> well, we're hearing anyway. somebody's uh, noise loud and clear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't care if I'm politically incorrect or not. Um, it is unnatural, um, sex between two men, two women, a horse and a man, or a pig and a woman. I don't care who it is, what it is. <laughs> I've never heard of a pig and a woman before, but okay. If it's between, uh, okay. if it's not between a, 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 if sex was was created and ordained by God between a man and a woman, and nature bears that out, okay, nature bears love, that man. out. Uh, you cannot have, you cannot procreate without a male and a female. Couple of species of animals that the 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 animal can choose whether it wants to be a male or a female, whatever. But anyway, that's like... Well, we can now. Know, <laughs> yeah. It's not going to create a, a, a baby. Uh, a man and a man are not going to create a baby. A woman and a woman are not going to create a baby. They want one, they got to adopt it. Um, well, or there's med- well, there's actually a new medical technique, which uh, I know it's unnatural, but it's fascinating that I heard someone talk about, and I definitely would love to hear more about it, just because I am, I really do like, uh, you know, a lot of scientific, even when it comes to reproductive scientific stuff, like cloning and things of that nature. Um, But I even heard where they can now take a, um, oh, what can they, some kind of cell from a woman and implant the cell. Gosh, what is the cell? I can't remember where it's from. Um, Where they can actually implant some kind of cell of a woman into another woman and create a baby into the egg. They could take some kind of cell now from a woman and I don't know if it's a bone marrow cell or something where they could take it um, and actually okay, impregnate another seen, woman with have it. Have you seen any of the products of those? Have you seen normal people, normal children come out of those? Not yet. I mean, the technology is just not there, but I think that uh, as technology advances, I, I really I think a there's a possibility of there being success in that. I have a feeling that um, that's just not going to work because it, it's not what God created. And when you start messing around with God's creation, it's just like GMO um, uh, things that um, science that, that they're they're doing. They're they're ruining the. Uh, the, the the vitamin content they're ruining our they're raping our soil from from its uh, fertility um, th- there's problems in what we have no indication one way or the other whether when a person uh, has a lifetime of eating these GMOs 
what does it do? Is that part of why we have so many cancers now? Nobody has yeah, that tried. Might, you know, definitely could be part of that answer. I agree with nobody, you. Yep. Nobody has tried to go and, and test for those things, and then they purposely don't because the, the the huge corporate food market is is dictating to the politicians what they are and are not allowed to do. What they are. Let me ask you. Let let me ask you this, and I know we're off topic. We don't have a lot of time, and we definitely would love to have a topic on this. Is can and I'm doing. You know, I mean, I'm all into natural and organic and things. I mean, I'm kind of. I don't know what you say. uh, I don't know what you can call it, but I mean, while I am fascinated by you know being able to do uh, uh, gene splicing and you know manipulations and things of that nature, because that's my scientific side of me. That's, you know, fascinating seeing how that turns out. There's also, of course, the, you know, organic, natural side of me, too, who's like, you know, uh, let's grow things, you know, naturally and, and good for the environment, of course, you know that. Um, but are we able to produce that much food now to uh, keep up with uh, the current population by doing that? That's definitely a question we to ask. Could if we, we could if we properly, properly used our farmland and if they allowed us. Uh, to farm as individual farmers again, as family farmers again. What they've done is mm-hmm. they've, they've transferred all the food production to these huge agricultural conglomerates, and, and they have these these huge big parcels of land, and they have to, in, in order to make as much profit as they possibly can, they have to get as much produce out of that land as possible. And that's why you see that's GMOs. True. That's why you see all these... Uh, synthetic fertilizers. It's why you don't see anybody right. le- letting the letting the land go fallow in the seventh year. They're they're, they're mm-hmm. completely misusing our land, and that's the reason why uh, they can make the argument that there's not enough food to go around. Allow allow the farmer allow the farmer to go back into business. Allow uh, farms all across this country to start producing. Um, Product produce that um, and cows and and animals, whatever we're eating, without um, GMO tech, uh, without genes being spliced in, without without um, um, hormones, without antibiotics, without all this other crap. Um, You allow the farmer to farm the way we used to farm. There has always been plenty of food here in the United States. And, and look at even during World War II, everybody had a victory garden, okay? And you yep. fed your you fed your own family, and and nobody can do that anymore because there's a million laws against it now. And they've shoved our houses one up against the other one to where we don't even have a yard anymore, let alone a, a, enough space for a garden plot, okay? Yeah, so no, I understand that. That's they true. Totally changed the fabric and the culture of our nation. And that's the reason there's people not eating right now. Now, at our Volusia Soil and Water Conservation District here in this county, we're helping our our neighbors all across this county in different cities to put up community, uh, to establish community gardens where um, uh, folks in in a certain uh, area can all work on a garden at the same time and they have a plot of land, and, and they all work to the garden, and they all get the produce from the garden. And uh, we need to be doing stuff like that. And like Susan's talking about, 
we need to be learning how to catch our own water and use our own water because the mm-hmm. cities are not the cities are not they're they're not drinking safe water yeah we drink yep, a lot of bottled water where where we're at but unfortunately i got unfortunately i got to close things out for tonight and so we are looking at next week uh folks so if you're listening on the archive we really like to uh the podcast we would like to have uh, you on our show. So to uh, let you know, we are on Wednesday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so that it kind of tries to accommodate everybody uh, from coast to coast, for those who call in earlier on the East Coast, and then those who want to call on the West Coast when we're getting close to the extended period of the show. So check us out on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, that's 7 p.m. on the left or the west coast. And so we'd like to hear you on our show. So if you're listening to the show, uh, take some time to uh, come to a live show and join our roundtable discussion. So I want to thank everyone uh, for coming on. Uh, Susan, definitely get some information to me about uh, what you're working on with the uh, the water capturing. I really like to have that on uh, our show. We'll see what uh, – comes out as it may for next week. I believe what we'll probably be doing is doing some coverage or some analysis of the GOB debate, GOB, GOP debate, debate. which is on CNN Uh, next Wednesday. Hey, i got to correct myself about something. Real quick, let me correct myself. I said earlier that Thomas Jefferson went to church in the Capitol building. It was a courtroom. It was a courthouse that he was going to church in, just to let you know. I, I had... I had gotten that wrong, and I don't like having something wrong stand for the whole show. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And so definitely, yeah, so next yeah, so next Wednesday is the uh, CNN's uh, Juby debate. Uh, I don't know how much uh, – it's at 6 o'clock and 8 o'clock Eastern, so I don't know how much time they'll give me to uh, get some things prepped up, but we'll do some analysis uh, from, the GOP, uh, from the GOP debate uh, next week. And then that is the 16th, and then we uh, perhaps will have you on uh, for what you're talking about, Susan, the week after that. And then we move forward. I've uh, reached out to another one of the presidential candidates uh, earlier this evening, or at least their campaign, and we'll see if we hear anything from them uh, to come on. I have been in contact tw- a couple times the Fiorina's campaign, but unfortunately uh, they declined both times. Uh, that I spoke with them in order to come on or correspond that I should say, not quite spoke with them, but you know, perhaps it's still young. It's still early uh, in the campaign, but I do have to close things out and say, thank you everyone. We look forward to seeing you next week. And of course I am going to end things tonight as I do every night, uh, every Wednesday night. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So thank you, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next week, and have a good night. Take care. Good night. Good night. There you go, Kelly. Glad to hear from you.